Welcome to the Milt Talk Legacy Builders Podcast, a place where Milts can connect to one another to inspire, motivate, and collaborate to continue to build a strong and well-connected alumni association. I believe that Milton Hershey School rebranding is actually just getting started, and I want to be part of that journey. I think the best way to commemorate Milton and Catherine Hershey is to continue our own legacy that impacts the world as Milton Hershey so impacted us. I believe the level of extraordinary that each and every milk carries within them is deeply underestimated, and this podcast will help in the journey to show off what milts are really made of. I'm excited to get to know more milts, more insight to their upbringing, and what they're doing now to build their legacy and bring value to others, and what being a milt really means to them. Today I'm speaking with Kay Oyegan, class of 2005. Kay is a writer, director, and co-executive producer on NBC's hit drama series, This Is Us, and has been with the show since its launch in 2016. Her directing credits on the show are seasons five, Birth Mother, and Brotherly Love. Kay's previous TV writing credits include Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar on Oprah Winfrey's own network. Kay's also under an overall deal with 20th Century. On the film side, Kay adapted the fantasy novel Children of Blood and Bone for Lucasfilm, Fox and Disney, and the music drama On the Come Up, the follow-up novel from They Hate You Give, writer Angie Thomas for Paramount Players. Kay also recently sold a horror feature to HBO Max titled The Ancestor and a comedy to Paramount titled Assistant Living. For her work on This Is Us, Oyegin is a NAACP Image Award winner, as well as a Humanitas Prize and Writers Guild of America Award nominee. So welcome to the Milk Talk Legacy Builders podcast, Ms. Kay Oyegan. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank that you. bio is phenomenal. Oh, <laughs> Congratulations. Bless it, on Lord. Everything. Bless it. No, thank you. This is awesome. Thank you for yes, having me. Absolutely. Um, so let's start with when did you get to MHS? Um, I got to MHS, what, in 2000, in the year 2000, eighth grade. Okay. And then, um, oh, so you were there five years. I was there five years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where did you live before, before going to Milton Hershey? Philadelphia. Oh, you Philadelphia family landed. Yeah. I was from Philly. Family landed in Philadelphia after we moved from Nigeria to Philadelphia. So that was kind of our, um, and then I met friends of the family who had gone to Mount Hershey, Alex Oliver and Doug Oliver, their mother, Terry Oliver was really good friends with my mom. And so that's how I was introduced to, um, Mount Hershey. So I, like I grew up with them. Um, and so that's how I found out about the school and that's how I joined. Oh, very cool. And before that, did you live with both mom and dad or? No, my parents uh, were separated from when I was pretty, I think, born. I never actually knew them together, but I grew up in Nigeria. So I knew I like I we would do the back and forth thing with mom and dad and stuff. Mm -hmm. So he lived in a particular area in Lagos and my mom lived in a particular area in Lagos and in Nigeria. And so we would sort of go back and forth. But that's where I lived. That's where I grew up. Um, wow. You know, on the continent, yeah. Wow! And then, when did you come to the states? When did your family come? I came to the states um, in two thousand. No, what? Two thousand? No, in 97. 97, Yes, end of ninety-seven. Wow! Now, what did you speak English in Nigeria, or did you have to learn all that here? Was it like a second language, or? 
the the sort of primary language is is, is English, but it's sort of accented because you have yeah. an you have your accent. And my mom speaks like five languages: Igbo, Yoruba, mm -hmm. Efik, Hausa, all that stuff. Um, I only spoke little bits of everything, but mostly primarily English. And when I came to America, I was um, I had a, just a really 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 thick accent. And mm -hmm. being like a kid, being poor, living in Philadelphia, you know, it was just sort of like it was a lot of identity. Um, yeah things that had to you had to sort of I, I became relatively insular if that makes sense like you just yeah. you become more of an observer you kind of you know go into yourself and you start watching people in a yeah. lot of ways and so I, I I that's my became a personality type that yeah. I had and then um yeah no I, I like my I worked on my accent a lot just because it, you know middle school was a real was like rough with yeah. it um, and so, so yeah, so that's how I like sort of worked it into, into submission. I still, it's because my family and everybody and friends of mine are all Nigerian and stuff. I can always go back into to, to the pidgin English, but it's just sort of, I took that out relatively quickly. It's just sort of like assimilate. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as a kid during that, during that age frame, yeah. very tough. Yeah. better for them. I, I could not tell you what, I mean, then we didn't have any tech, no internet, no no internet, no cell phone, no anything. So it's like your bullying was pretty face to face, yeah. which was nice. Um, I think yeah. it's like it's like a classic kind of way of engaging with people. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's, but I, I I wouldn't know what to do in you know this time period. I, I pray for children a lot. Yeah, you know it, it's tough when we talk about bullying, especially um, you know that now that technology has made it so much easier to bully people from far and then to especially yeah, bully people. Bullies, you know, bullies are real lazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, come on, you know. Yeah, and normally it's funny because they say bullies are normally they come from being bullied themselves, either at home or in some other environment. Um, so of course, hiding behind the screen, just like you said, makes it so much easier for them to yeah, fill so out their hate. Different. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Classically less interesting. It's weird. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. I, but I also, I, my perspective was always like the face-to-face -face one. And so I was just sort of like, okay, I can see your, your issue with me. I don't quite yeah. agree with it, but I can, yeah. I can see what it is. Yeah. But it's like, now it's just sort of like, I don't know, this generation is, 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 you know, it's a blessed one. I pray for them. Yeah. <laughs> me and you both. I know it's tough. It's hard. My husband's always been better at handling like the younger generation, like the teenagers and the young 20 year olds usually when I get around them I just get pretty annoyed pretty quickly yeah. like mm -hmm. yeah okay just just stop talking because you're I'm it's, not gonna understand you you're not gonna understand me yeah. yeah it's a whole minefield I've got cousins and stuff who are younger and 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 again I think that like you know our age group we sort of we we are we're equipped to handle both sides of the aisle because we didn't grow up with as much technology right but we also like eventually at a time when we were emotionally and mentally okay, we got it. Right. And so we know how to use it. Right. Um, and so it's just sort of like, we're in that kind of cusp where I'm like, I got my first cell phone at 16. And by then I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So I didn't use yeah. it. Like, so it was just sort of like, I didn't know what to do with it. Right. And so it's just because it was just not part of, part of, I, you know, I, I would like, we'd get on the, you know, landline and call, you know, our friends and the guys that we liked and stuff. And like, yeah. that's, that was, that was our interaction. We would like, like be on room chats, I guess, but they were all like creepy places, but for like silly nonsense. Yeah. And so it's like, I think for us, we were flirting with all of this technology, but now it's kind of just like, 
birthed, you know, this, this yeah. intense boom. And it's so affecting. I feel like I, I, I still remember writing and, you know, composition books. And I know I have penmanship and mm-hmm. I'm just like, I think about young people now. I'm like, where do you have to write? Every right. Every, like, right. Online and turned in. I'm just like, do you know how to write? Yeah. And it's like, do they even teach cursive anymore? I'm, I, don't, I definitely, I'm like, they're like, what is, what is cursive as a lost art? They probably, I wonder if people know the word cursive. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone's shorthand is this like text speech and yeah. it's just like all of these ways and you know how do you how do you enforce the culture is just shifting in a yeah. way that they are going to have to tell us how to engage with them I don't think we can tell them what the rules are in the sense that like it's changed so much we can't have the same criteria you right. know for and so quickly and so quickly and yeah so quickly too yeah and so yeah. it's just so when- sort of like I'm curious how how the pendulum will 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 shift right kind of uh, uh, adjust. Yeah. Well, I hope that they, you know, I know that kids these days are a lot more easily expressive, which is great. A lot more creative, which is really cool. Um, but definitely more lacking when it comes to like that deeper socialism aspect. And I think that, you know, technology has played a big role in that. So hopefully there are more ways to teach more empathy, um, Mm -hmm. especially through technology, um, you know, and social media and stuff like that, because we don't want empathy to completely go away. And yeah. I think technology kind of helps that. I mean, it's a, it's, there's two sides of it, because it, it helps, you know, spread the word easily. So, you know, things like mental health awareness, and, you know, all kinds of different things are so much more available and talked yeah. about because of social media. But then that socialism part of, you know, deeper connections and things like things like that can still be missed. It's, it's one of those things where it's hard to, hard to, well, it can be hard to care about someone if you've never met them. Right. If you don't, if they're sort of like behind a screen, I think screens are very distancing in that way. Yeah, exactly. sort of, unless you're psychologically aware of the fact that there's a human being attached to that screen, you're, you've created a, a nice barrier for you to be able to say and do and feel. And then you watch someone's pain from that screen. It just looks like everything else. Right. So it's sort of, you know, it's, 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 um, socializing people yeah. and desensitizing but I, I, again I'm I'm a I'm a child of God so it's sort of everything is 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 biblical for me and I know that sort of as time progresses um this is something you know it says in the last days men will be sort of lovers of self men will be pleasure seekers men will be boastful not just men but human yeah. be boastful human will you know sort of deny the power of god like people are going to get so co- caught up in self yeah. and that's literally where we are right yeah, now this exactly. idea of everyone is the god of their own existence they're the yeah. most important person in their existence and they're the focal point of their existence and it's just such a um an unfortunate way to be because that's not that's not the way to be but you know yeah. the the devil's a liar and for him he's like i don't care what it is as long as it's not god you can look at anything else it doesn't matter he's right. like you know it's there are only two options and so he's like as long as you're not choosing god yeah got you whatever you think you're choosing sure but it's like if it's not god i got you so it's just one of those things where you know that's again the prayer for for young people because it's just sort of like if you don't know how can you how can you change how can you grow so it's so incumbent on those who do know to share in love and to sort of um yeah spread yeah absolutely absolutely that's right so when you were in Milton Hershey did you decide to join any sort of clubs or uh, writing clubs or sports 
What were you in? Yeah, I, gosh, I was very active in Maharshi. I did not, I, it's funny, I moved, I was in five different student homes. Yeah. And so I was five wow. years, five different student homes. So while a lot of people have these sort of deep connections to student homes and house parents, I can honestly tell you, and this is something that like I've come to terms with in a real way as an adult, I don't have those. I really don't have those. I don't have a, an emotional kind of um, sentimental approach and attachment to student homes. I was very much like, and I'm not even sure why specifically, I very much came there with a very clear mission and it did not matter to me sort of what, what, what the circumstances presently were. I said, I'm here because there's a finish line. And so in 2005, I'm going to get, um, I'm going to not only get my high school degree, but I'm also going to get an opportunity to go to college um, and have it paid for. And so that was sort of like the, 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 pot at the end of the rainbow yeah. so it didn't matter what student home I was in what circumstance I was in all of that stuff it was just sort of like you know excellence is the portion and excellence is the path and so that's the path I'm going to go down and I don't think I took a break a breather my entire five years of Hershey to really process or like enjoy what was going on around and so I, I'm, I'm aware of that I was I, I was in SGA I was um, president I think a couple years in a row um, I ran track. I was a basketball team manager. I wrestled. Um, I ran cross country. I did field hockey. Um, I worked with Janice, Miss Stewart for years. I was in ev almost every production from sophomore, from freshman year to senior year. Um, I wrote plays. I put those up. I did every passion play. I did, I did every, um, gosh, you name, I just sort of, we did, um, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, I was in that. We did, um, we did, it just, it was every parent weekend show, every kind of theater thing there was, I was there. I always felt like Miss Stewart chose every year. There was some black girl that she was always like mentoring. I don't know, that's how it looked in my head. So it was like, it was the yay hands, there was the Josie's, there was the Nana's. And then like, I was sort of like in that sort of conversation when it came to her as someone who, respected her and loved her and sort of worked with her very closely. Um, and so, so that was, and I never, I don't think I was ever in my student home before eight o'clock. And so by the time I got home, it was in time to like sleep. And so I think that was, it made it, it made me not forming any like lasting bonds with house parents very easy. Um, and so, so yeah, but I was very, I was very active and I was active because I cared about those things. And I was active for some reason in the back of my mind, I knew that um, getting a well-rounded um education was was going to be impactful yeah uh, yeah that's wonderful did you what so did you end up going to college if so what college did you decide to go to I did I went to University of Pittsburgh I I um I was it was it was local it was sort of big enough to be a city it was small enough to be in Pennsylvania it kind of had the right vibe I was dating um a, a, a guy in my class for a while actually at the time and that was also where he wanted to go so we were sort of planning you know that that journey and that move um and so yeah so I ended up going to to uh Pitt um and I was just sort of like okay this is the this is a, a natural extension of where I've just been I'm in an opportunity to kind of again double down on what it is but I think in college I the the next phase of you becomes yeah. um and so the next phase of me became and so a lot of my priorities shifted yeah. and a lot of who I was kind of uh developed some more 
So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm always grateful for growth. Growth is a great thing. It doesn't it feel good when it's happening, but it's nice. Right. It is, it is, you know, growth comes with a lot of challenges. Yeah. You know, a lot of uncertainty. So that always will help us to grow, but it always can be very uncomfortable usually. Um, So college, was it, was it fun? Was it a fun experience for you? It was, it was a fantastic, um, I just, I don't know, every stage of life I'm always so grateful for. It's like you're in, and I'm also someone who like, luckily because of the kind of praying mother I have every circumstance that I'm in I'm always just sort of like okay Lord like this is even if I'm I'm in a space where I'm not I'm not being as obedient as I as I need to be it's definitely or at least as I as I would desire to be it's definitely a space where I know that like God is moving um when I got to college I wanted to be a medical like a med a, a bio major, medical major. See, that's how I'm, how good I am. I wanted to be a bio major. Um, and so my freshman year, first semester, I like loaded up on bio classes and all this stuff. And, and the, what was great about that period was I met all of my close friends that year because they were all sort of like, we, we sat like the front row of the of chemistry class and we all became friends and they were, you know, Caribbean and Nigerian and Ghanaian. And I was like, look at my people. Cause that wasn't the case when I was in Mahershi. Mahershi, I, I didn't sort of I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm, I'm Nigerian, but I did not engage as a Nigerian in wow. Hershey. African-American. Like, yeah, no one was anything outside of what our, our sort of, our, our, yeah, our exactly. were, yeah. um, but in college, you begin to sort of like more closely self-identify as you're yeah. growing. And I, I was like, I started identifying as an African and reclaiming, like after all those years of being bullied and wanting to assimilate, I got to a place where I was like, oh no, I love yeah. the realness of who I am. I love the fact that I'm African. I love the fact that I, you know, I, I know it, uh, so many of these truths about my history and about where I come from. I love the fact that half my family is still in Nigeria. My dad was in Nigeria. Everybody was in Nigeria in that way. And I could, you know, touch them in that, in, in that way. And so I wanted to embrace who I was here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what that freshman year really launched for me in a very real way that has subsequently continued on. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what was what was true was that I was not a, a bio major. Yeah. That's what I found out. I like, oh gosh, my GPA was trash at the end of my freshman uh, my freshman first semester because it's like those bio classes. It's not even like I didn't. I just it just it was if I took it like a normal person that would be different. But I took it as if I was a really great like yeah doctor um and so it just sort of like crushed my gpa all those classes were just like intensely difficult and i didn't care enough i was just like i would be like doing an experiment in chemistry class and they'd be like five milliliters and i'm like six and a half like i it just wasn't i'd like fully murder people if i was a doctor i'd be so like apologetic about how many patients i lost because i just i wouldn't be like that's not you know my 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 space of 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 comfort or at least of of desire um so I, I pivoted after that freshman year being like, I don't think I like this. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up um, deciding to be sort of like a communications major and focusing on journalism. Cause I was like, okay, I love telling stories. I love writing and all this stuff. And so I joined the Pitt News, um, which is a newspaper that the, the university has. And I wrote for that paper all four years of college just cause I loved it so much. I was like, oh, I love being a journalist. I ended up getting, you know, I was a journalism major, I was a marketing major, I had a critical studies certificate, I ended up doing a film minor, I was just sort of like, I just fell in love with, again, the, 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 you know, 
the the goal of it all of what why I'm here um and I just became really really diligent after that first semester where I was like what's happening yeah um but I loved college I loved college my I loved my friends I loved the relationships I had and and how they now I look back they're all very dramatic and 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 you know intense and I love having those experiences I loved the ups and downs I loved you know the camaraderie of college I loved the messiness of college um yeah, I, I, I had a, I had a blast. I, I had a blast in a way that, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome that you could say that, you know, that, cause that's what college is supposed to be. Like it's your yeah. adulthood. It's the first time you really have freedom, you know, and you're learning your Take advantage. Yeah. Yeah. What a great thing to be able to look back and say, I had a phenomenal, fun, exciting, I, crazy. I made a lot of stupid choices that I'm just sort of like, thank God for mercy. Yeah. Um, and then I, I made a lot of really great friends. So thank God for favor. So I'm just, you know, I'm, it was, it was while I was in it, I don't think I knew I was having fun because yeah. drama, drama is again, just like with change, drama is also really intense when you're experiencing yeah. it. So while I was in it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Yeah. Tomorrow will never come. But I'm like, it came. <laughs> Many tomorrows came. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's why whenever I talk to my cousins who are in that age, I'm just sort of like, it's the most important thing right now. But if you give yourself some compassion, you will find other important things. Exactly. So, yeah. That's so funny. So it's funny that, you know, you're not the first person that I interviewed that actually said they um, went to minor in bio. You're actually like, I want to say like the sixth or seventh or eighth. So many people actually went to college and studied bio and then were like, yeah, this, this is definitely not for me. And then they went and found something they were yeah. really passionate about. That's yeah. so cool. So we're all dummies. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that so? Cool? Oh, no. I wanted to go to I wanted to go to college so I can be a chef. I wanted to study culinary. Nice. Yeah, because I loved cooking. But my two brothers were like, no, no, no. Like you know, chefs are really just going to be starving artists. So you need to go study something. What? That's a real job. Yeah, I know. Everyone eats at restaurants. You really could have been a chef. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. They're like, yeah, study business. And yeah, my brothers are very persuasive and convincing and uh, very, very dominant. So um, yeah, and I looked up to them. So I was like, okay, business it is, you know, and I ended up studying marketing. Yeah. But I always look back like, you know, but what's so funny is I ended up marrying someone who studied culinary art. Yeah. So he was in culinary like Either way, I'm going to eat good, brothers. Exactly. Yeah, that's what you, you show them. Isn't that you funny? Let them. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of perfect. I, yeah, that sounds great. That's awesome. Congrats. I mean, like it, it, family influence is, a, is, a, is an interesting thing. And my brother was the one who actually introduced me to the grad school that I went to because I didn't know anything yeah. about it. And so it's just sort of like, I, you know, I was in such a weird place that I was just like anything, I'll do anything. And so yeah. applying to this grad school was one that, that just felt like the right move yeah. um, at the time. So yeah. Tell me about that. So after, after college, what made you decide I wanted to go to, you wanted to go to grad school? The crazy thing is, so while I was in college, again, I was sort of, I I'd in, I'd spent a couple of summers, a couple of months in New York working at, at CBS News. Um, and this was in 2018 when Obama won the election. And so I was sort of like in a major news network, sort of like in the heart of, of New York City and so much politics was going on and I loved it. Um, and then when I came back to, um, to Pittsburgh to finish out my year, the G20 came 
And I wrote about the G20, I wrote an art about the G20. And then there was an opportunity to sort of um, get, a, there was like this news associate program in New York, work, like at working for the big, you know, 30 Rock and nightly news. And, you know, it was like, you need a, 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 a like a, like a journalism master's degree and all this stuff. And I didn't have it. I'm the kind of person I take steps of faith. Like I'm always like, Lord, I don't know, but it seems hard. So I'm going to do it. Thank you, Jesus. And so I applied. And then I was very fortunate that all these things I had done in my interview process, like the interview was crazy. They, they make you come to New York. Um, you're in 30 Rock. You're in the sort of like you're, you're, you're in the room. And they're all of the senior producers are all in this like round robin around you. And they're throwing questions at you about how you would gather news. And so it was just sort of like an hour long interview. And I prayed about it. I, you know, I prepared and all that stuff. And I was just sort of like, well, let's see how this goes, Lord, because I didn't bring this to myself. Like it's always, you're, I'm always led places. I'm always, the Holy Spirit's always leading me, whether or not I'm communicating with the Holy Spirit or not. That's, that's, that's a second thing, but it's like, he's always leading. And so I knew that this was something I, when you know, you know, you know, confirmation is a big deal. Um, and so I, I, I ended up getting the, the news associate job. And so I literally got that job a couple of days before graduation. And so I was like, deuces just to this. <laughs> And so I like, I graduated and I literally just moved to New York right away. I found roommates on Craigslist. I lived in Harlem and I like, I was like a person at 21 who was like working at 30 Rock and working for like the biggest news brand, you know, for NBC. And so I was like, okay, like, holy crap. Like I'm, I'm an adult person now. And like, this is my life. And so I, you know, hit the ground running. Cause I was, again, that I've always been relatively litigious in this way. I'm a very kind of, um, I, I'll, at this age, I call it effective. Back then I called it like um, uh, workaholic, but I think that, that's not the right term. I don't think I'm a workaholic at all. I could stand to work more. Um, but but I, I tend to be relatively effective about the things that I want to do. And so I, I approached my job like that. I made a lot of mistakes and growing up and stuff as far as like learning the ropes, I, but I also learned luckily quickly and I covered a lot of stories that I'm very proud of looking back now, like the Ground Zero Mosque, the Chilean miners when they were trapped and then when they came out and then they wanted to run the New York City Marathon, um, covered every, like it was just sort of, there were so many stories that were bubbling in New York and being at the heart of it was just really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. um, but after about almost two years of doing that, almost almost two and a half years or so of doing that, I kind of got burnt out. I was, my hours were all over the place. Um, I was, you know, you don't really have a sleep schedule. I felt New York didn't really agree with my personality. Um, I felt it was when it was hot, it was burning hot. When it was cold, it was freezing cold. And those are two extremes I don't enjoy. Um, and I felt like the city was just like, I was, I felt like I was losing myself in the, the milieu of the city. It was very isolating in a lot of ways. And, and it took, for me anyway, it took a lot of work to kind of build my community um, around me. And I was just sort of like, okay, I don't think this is where I want to sort of like end up. I'm not a, I'm not a New Yorker. I don't find it fun to like walk the pavement. Right. Um, 
but I'm grateful that I knew that. And so then, you know, uh, Comcast came and bought out Universal. And then I was like, oh, this is like a sign that it's time to go. All my, all my, uh, my, my mentors and stuff at the news and in, in the news division had been with the company for like 30 years. And so I was like looking down a barrel of like, if I stay here, I'm going to be here forever. And so I was like, I got to do something else. And so I remember I came home to Philadelphia. I was like, I was like laying on the ground and I was rolling around being like, what is life? What should I do? And my brother was like, you should like, you really like, you know, TV and movies and stuff. Like you should go, you should do that. You should go to grad school at USC. Um, and I was like, what is grad school? What is USC? What are you saying? Um, and so we like, I remember us sitting like at the dining room table um, and like looking up the school and looking up information. And I knew that at that point, because of what I was doing, the grad school and film department has different prongs. They've got a production handle, they've got critical studies, they've got screenwriting. Um, and then they have the Peter Stark producing program. Forgive me if there's more, I, I don't remember that well. Um, if there's more, I remember in Jesus name. Um, but I decided to go with the producing program because I was like, well, this, this is like a thing. I'm a, I was just a producer in news. I can be a producer in, in film. Don't know what that is. I've, I'd never been out here before. I didn't know anyone out here. I don't have family out here. And I'm the kind of person I like to go anywhere with a plan. So I moved to New York with a plan. I moved to Mahershi with a plan. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to Los Angeles with a plan. Um, and that plan was, was, was grad school. And so, so that's kind of what, and so I got into the program. Um, and then I asked my bosses at, uh, at, at Universal at, and at the news division, I was like, can I transfer out to the Today Show in Los Angeles so I can keep on working? And so they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll fly you out. We'll pay for your apartment. We'll pay for your car. I said, Jesus. Amazing. Yes wants me to go there and so <laughs> that's literally you know that's what happened they like covered everything and 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 I went and again another Craigslist roommate and then I start I was working for the news when you know Arnold Schwarzenegger had his mistress be revealed I like hung out in her trash can for a while when <laughs> William and Kate came to America I like stalked them for a while working yeah. for the Today Show is an odd job but it was just sort of like I did a bunch of like really fun stories very different from what I was doing in New York um, and then I transitioned into being a grad student. And that's sort of how my, my way into the, the, the movie and film business uh, and TV business started. Wow. How incredible is that? So you started um, bio major, decided this is not for me, started to write for your University of Pittsburgh uh, paper. And then you started to get to journalism. You studied journalism, got a job in New York as a journalist and then moved to California uh, to get into grad school. Your brother is older or younger? Older, he's two okay. years older, maybe a year, yeah. nine months older, but yeah, he's older. Yeah, and it's awesome that he uh, helped guided you in, in, in that. Um, and he probably saw, he probably had, you know, his own little vision. Maybe he didn't even know that, that he had it, but he probably had his own little vision that this might be a, a path for you, which is so cool. So no, I, I, I'm, I love, I'm very grateful for him. I love him. I think that like, you know, without with, but whether it's conscious or subconscious planting seeds in someone is really important, especially if they're the right seeds. Um, because there's, you know, we, we latch onto these seeds and we, they take root and then they're able to grow and produce fruit. And so that was a situation where a seed was planted by him and, and it was able to grow and produce fruit. So I'm grateful for that. Very cool. Yeah. So now, um, as, as you're doing graduate school and you're still working um, for the news station, 
Um, what then, what, when did you kind of pivot into mm-hmm. the film industry? How far? Yeah. So I, so pretty, pretty close to after I started grad school, because I was like, okay, TV, like news, you are part of my past. Yeah. I must embrace my future. Um, and I'm, again, I was on the, I was 24. So I was on the older side for grad school in that program. The, a lot of these, you know, this is California, this is USC. A lot of people come to the school from very sort of well-to-do backgrounds and all that stuff. I'll deal with that. Um, well to do backgrounds and all that. And so that's kind of my cohort space was was really that. Um, and I was a different kind of I was I was I wasn't financially where everybody was and everybody was balling out all the time. And I was like, mm, I got to like figure this stuff out. Um, and so what I did was I started working. I started interning in a bunch of different places because I was like, OK, I need to learn about I need to learn hands on about this thing that I'm doing. I'm a very sort of like I love to be hands on about stuff. So I, I interned at this production company called Groundswell. Um, with a man named Michael London and Janice and like all Janet um, and, and, and Sherry Shirazi, who's like, it's so funny because it's like all of my early internships, I worked, I've worked with those people now in different capacities. And so I always tell people, I'm like, wherever you are, like, you know, let the, let, let the Lord shine, you know what I mean? Give God glory in those spaces. What you do with a little, you will do with a lot. So it's like, if you are so focused on, you know, the big pie in the sky that wherever you are, you treat it like it's nothing. It's an unfortunate, you know, it's an unfortunate way to go. And I, I think that because of maybe personality, I didn't really have foresight when it comes to that. I always treated every job very, very sort of like with a lot of gusto. Like I was, because I was an intern, I was like answering phones. I was getting groceries. I was like ordering lunches and cleaning up the kitchen and doing stuff like that. But you would have thought that I was like, you know, at the White House or something. Like I treated it like it was the most, like the dopest, most awesomest thing ever. And like, there was a lot of encouragement because of that. Then I ended up, um, and, and and a lot of, I was allowed to do much because they were like, she's just so happy to be here. Yeah. You know, everything we give her to read, she like reads it in the day and turns it around and all this stuff. So I wrote a lot of coverage. I answered, I, I watched and I monitored a lot of stuff and, and I just wanted to sort of know what this business was and how it worked. And I felt the best way to do that would be you know from the inside um and so then I, 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 while I was still in school, um, I started interning and then I got, I interned at Fox Searchlight. And while I was there, I got hired um, after my time there as an intern to be an assistant, a second assistant. And while I was there, you know, I got, I became very close to everyone. Again, another place I work with now. Um, and again, a place treating the job like it was the most important thing in the world. I just wanted to, I don't know, I've always had this desire to like not, to like do well. I think wherever you go, leave an impact, yeah. um, a positive one. Um, and so it's just because you care about the individuals there. Cause I, I'm not very good at angling. I'm not the, I'm not the best, like, um, my social game is, is <laughs> my social game is too transparent. Yeah. So I learned early coming from, again, coming from Nigeria, having this accent, not being particularly well-to-do, there wasn't much I could hide. Yeah. And so I learned early on that it's like, you got to either be you and present that and receive whatever you receive, or, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll suffer the consequences of trying to be someone else. Mm-hmm. And so that was something I learned really early on as a kid. So it's like anyone who knows me or just sort of like, oh, that's her person that like, and it just is what it is. I'll apologize for it, I guess, but it just is what it is. But I, I, I genuinely um, cared about the people that were around me. I care about the people that are around me and I want, and I, 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 you know, why else are we all around each other? But so that was all of that is to say that there's the, all those reasons were part of what helped 
helped the transitions because they knew that I, I was working at Searchlight and that was like the company I loved more than anything, but they knew that I wanted to be in TV. And one of the, the guys there um, introduced me to someone at BBC and helped me get a job at BBC because he knew that's where I wanted to be. So it wasn't something you had to do or anything like that. It was just sort of the, that the relationship was there. And that's someone, Eric Norsoff, who runs... Um, uh, he played Sheldon on the Big Bang Theory for years, Jim Parsons, he runs Jim Parsons company now. And so we were both assistants at that time, but now he runs the company. Um, Sherry Shirazi was an assistant when I was, you know, at Groundswell, and now she is the VP of production over at Sony TriStar. So it's just sort of everyone moves and it's like, you create these relationships at a point where you all are kind of trying to figure yourselves out. And then years later, these are people who are your, you know, who are in the same, this, these buying positions and these positions, people always wonder, well, how, how come you were able to, how come you, I was like, because I had known them when, you know, when I was, when I, you know, starting out and, and the relationships were, were there. So it, it doesn't feel incongruous to sort of have that dynamic now. It's sort of like that, that notion of like, you know, all what is it all tide rises or something like that there's like a saying but it's like they're all peers and you grow together you know I knew very early on that I could not there was nothing that like I could do for Steven Spielberg but there is something I can do for this person who's right in front of me who needs my help um and so that was always the kind of the mo yeah. Um, but but I ended up moving on to BBC from BBC. I was there for a long time. And that's when I started writing, writing in earnest. I would write after work. I would read a lot and I would write. I just wanted to sort of tell these stories and get those out. Um, mm -hmm. And I told someone for the first time while I was there, this man named Joey Gershon, who now lives back in Kansas and works for <laughs> T-Mobile. Um, and he's one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, and he was the first person I ever said out loud that I wanted to write. Uh, I wanted to be a writer. And he like, responded so lovingly and so graciously. And he was like, I'll read you, I'll read whatever you write. Um, Cause he was like a, a manager. So he was mostly bored, yeah. um, but he was also just a kind person who was um, just generous with his time and his, his creativity. And so he read all kinds of stuff that I'd written and I would rewrite stuff and rewrite stuff and he'd read it. And I was like, oh, Joey was like, you know a, a source of a lot of joy for me um, yeah. while I was at BBC. Um, and then I moved on to ABC studios um, in the comedy division. And while I was there, we had the show that my boss oversaw and I became really close to the showrunners who they hired. And then they hired me on their show to be their assistant. Um, and while I was there, their, their relationship fell apart and, <laughs> and my boss got let go. And so I got let go with him. And I was at a point where I was like, okay, I was living in a studio apartment above a, a parking lot next to a, a, a police station. And I was just sort of like, okay, God, like I am in a position right now where I'm living by myself. I'm in the studio apartment. I don't have a job right now. I don't know what life looks like, but I know that you have me. I know that you love me. And I know that you said in your word that you work everything together for my good. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I'm going to rest in that peace. I'm going to rest in you. Um, and this was, again, I had gone through so many different things personally, because we're talking professionally, personally, that it caused me to actually want to begin to build a relationship with God on my own. I'd gone through a really intense, really bad relationship. And I went through this incredible depression where there was like, you, you know, that kind of depressed where you're like, oh, what's the point of getting up out of bed and, you know, all of that. And that was something I, I, I dealt with and I had experienced. And I remember just sort of like having grown up in the church and knowing that I never walked away 
away from God. I just wasn't talking to him. I wasn't looking at him. I didn't know how to look at him. And I remember there was a church that was on the, on the, on the block where I lived. And I remember just being like, okay, Lord, I feel like I don't want to be around anymore. And so because I feel that way, I'm just going to go every Sunday to this place of worship. And I need you to meet me there. So it's like, if you meet me there, I will stay there. You know what I mean? And so that was kind of it. Cause I, I, I felt like I had exhausted what Kay was able to do on her own. And I was lucky enough that I was raised with a mother who loved the Lord so completely that I knew that my source of strength was in God, but I just didn't know how. And so I, and so I would go to the church every Sunday and I would sort of like sit in the back and I would listen and I would hear the word and I would be, I would feel good. I would start feeling good, but it was so much about feeling. I was like, how do I feel? And so it was really about sort of, you know, feelings. And so it got to a place where I remember one particular, I was terrified at work. I was nervous everywhere else in my life. I was always sort of like, oh, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm bad, I'm terrible. No one wants all of these words that you would say to yourself that you were just sort of like, everyone else is smarter than, than me. I just like, what am I doing here? I'd be so terrified and intense all the time at work. And so I remember like this, I would always feel so good on Sundays. I'd also always feel so energized on Sundays. And I remember the pastor said one particular Sunday, she was like, if you feel good here I wish she was fully talking to me because the Holy Spirit is always going to find you where he wants you yeah. it was like if you feel good here you have to know that what you are feeling is you are conscious of the presence of God and she was like that consciousness is not something that exists in this building that consciousness is something that exists in you and you could take that outside but you have to study the word if you don't know who you are in Christ and you don't know the word you will you will never know who you really are you'll never know your power um, and, and, and by power I mean you'll never know the the Christ life that exists in you and I was like that sounds wow I would like to take this feeling with me I mean I could feel not horrible on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and so it was just sort of that was kind of the beginning stages of like okay uh bible let's see what's up and it's like I again I this is the number <laughs> I always laugh because I'm just sort of like you would be you would be shocked how many people are, are believers, are Christians who've actually never read the Bible. Yeah. Um, and it's something that, you know, I was saying earlier, I was like, we we're born of the word. Imagine not knowing, imagine being a fish and being like, I love being like, you're like fully a fish in the water. And you're like, can someone take me to the ocean? I need to get to the ocean. Everybody else is looking at you like, bro, you're in the ocean. Like you're a fish, like you're in it, but it's like, you won't know that if you're not conscious of your environment. And that's literally, I just, I, the full, the Bible says the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. And now that you're united with Christ, the fullness of God is pleased to dwell in you. And it's like, I just did not know that. I had no idea the Bible said that. And I was like, and so that therein lies the sort of like, I had to ask myself these questions where it was just sort of like, well, why am I a Christian? Yeah. Why do I love God? Who is God? Everyone always says love him. But I, I like, it's like if I was dating someone that I never met, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I love that guy. Like if you, you were saying to people like you love your husband, but you saw him twice yeah. and you actually don't ever talk to him. You're like, mm -hmm. I love him. It's like, no, you don't. You don't know him. Get out of here. Stop saying that. That's weird. And so I realized that. I realized that. And that was the first kind of humbling and sobering experience, which was like, the Bible says, if you, if you love me, you obey my commandments. And I was just sort of like, whoa, I don't love God. And that was very like sobering to come to that place. But it was also, I've come to realize, and I say this to people all the time, when you come to a place that is honest and it convicts you, you should be, you should look at it as an opportunity. 
because I was like, whoa, I don't love God because I don't know God. Right. This is an opportunity to get to know God. Yeah, and actually, when I say I love him, I mean that, you know what I mean? And so it's like, and so that was sort of like what the, what the journey was. Um, so all of that is to say that that, that journey um, in sort of falling in love with God in a true way and debunking all these things. And I realized, okay, so you, so the Bible, everything in, in creation really, every, every, wow. And so it's just sort of understanding the, 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 the deep truth that everything else will pass away, everything else will change, but the word of God will never change was something that really sort of had to settle. I had to meditate on the word of God and really allow it to be the, the, the food with which I eat, the thought with which I think, the words with which I speak and the life with which I live um, in a very real way. So by the time I was unemployed um, and sort of like in that space, you know, being like, okay, I knew I had a source. I was just sort of like, God, you said you will never leave me nor forsake me. Let's figure this out. My boss then calls me like a couple of days later, my former boss who had been let go, invites me over to his house with his family and all this stuff. He gives me $3,000 as like a bonus. Cause he was like, you have, were great with me. We worked really well together. Actually, I haven't told anyone this ever. He gave me, he gave me like, this was sort of November time period. And I, we were unemployed. $3,000 is what he gave me. And I, I didn't have, I wasn't getting, you know, unemployment cause it's like a tricky thing. I didn't know how to get unemployment. So I wasn't getting unemployment. And then this man sort of calls out of nowhere didn't have to it wasn't like part of the pension but he was just out of because god is good and god works through people he gave me three thousand dollars and i was like thank you i really appreciated it and so i was able to pay my rent with that money and then the funny thing is i get a phone call a couple of days later as i was sort of just praying time with the lord a couple of days later my friend joey i had given him a script in january um and that was the most recent thing i had written and I did not hear back from Joey because he was moving to Kansas. He was moving with his wife and his kids and all this stuff. And it was really, really busy. I get a call from an agent who turns out Joey had read the script that I had given him, given it to this agent who at that time was a manager who couldn't do anything with it. But then that manager left the management company and became an agent and he had no clients. So wow. he was reading through material and he reread my material and he was like, oh, I'd love to meet with her. So I get that call. I said, this thing about working with you, God. Yeah. I have no idea what's happening in this life, but you know, you are the master organizer, you know, you know. And so he calls. And so we sit down, we talk. He's like, hey, I'd love to represent you. Now, just being repped as a writer is not like the beginning of anything. You could be repped for years as a writer and never get a job. Yeah. He sends my script out to two places one to Amazon and the other one to Warner Brothers. At Amazon, I get an interview for the showrunner, uh, for, this, for this job um, on the show as a staff writer. Um, but then they end up liking me and liking the meeting, but because I didn't have any experience, they were gonna give me an assistant job on the show. And I was like, mm, that's not my portion. That's not what God has for me. The second place they send my material to is to Warner Brothers. And at that point, Ava and Queen Sugar and Oprah, they were staffing the show. And Melissa Carter, who was a show Runner who I love and I talk to every day practically still she read my material gave my material to Ava and Ava read my material and then they met with me so I get an agent um, on like a Wednesday I have two meetings the next week and then I get a job the end of that next week wow. so it was sort of like because they end up hiring me for for the room and for the show and the thing that was so wild about it and I it always and when I think about it and I think about how good God is that three thousand dollars is all I need 
needed in that period. Mm-hmm. So I was able to pay my rent for the exact period of that $3,000 before I got a job. Wow. And I was just sort of like, whenever I tell people about the way God works, because it's not about um, acquiring things, because one of the things that the devil did um, to Jesus was he, he, he took him up to a mountain and he showed him, look at all the land. Mm-hmm. All of this is yours if you bow down to me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, <laughs> but you will not serve anyone but the Lord your God. And, and so that, that is that. So I always, I always try to be very cautious people who think that God is a God of giving good gifts and that's it. You know what I mean? And it's just sort of like, if you out here balling, that's because God loves you and da, da, da. Yes. And I think that the truth of the matter is a relationship with God. And we were talking about peace before it is a knowing and a walking out your faith, because that's not to say during that period, there was not a lot of fear. I wasn't the kind of person who was telling everybody I'm a writer. I wasn't hustling for a job. I wasn't angling for any of those things. I was just seeking God. I was just spending time with him because he says, seek, seek first the righteousness of God and all of who he is and all things will be added on to you. And it's one of those things where it was just sort of, that was a period of like a lot of the void. I was, you know, there were parts of thoughts that I had to bind and cast down of going back home of, you know, getting a job as this and that, but it was just sort of like, he told me just sort of be in his rest. And I, and I look back on that in this way that like this boss got let go at this time, mm-hmm. called me to his house and gave me $3,000. The $3,000 he gave me was the exact amount of money I needed until my first paycheck I got from a writing gig. People spend years in this town and never get staffed. People spend years in this town and never get a paycheck. And that was something I was so aware of God's favor and his hand of mercy in that space that it's just one of those things where I'm just sort of like, guys, it's not a, and, 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 and in that period, all of the sadness and all of those things, he literally just enveloped me in his love just enveloped me with his peace. That it's like, while everybody was telling me all of these things about what I should do, what I shouldn't do, I was only able to hear him. I was only able to hear him. And he was like, just continue to worship me. Just continue to love me. Just continue to stay stay in me. Because as I said, I and the father are one. When you come into me, you now have that same privilege. You now have that same life. And so therein lies the rest therein lies the peace that comes from that because it was just sort of like the way he, he works everything together. He said, I work everything together for the good of those who love me and are called for my purpose. So he worked everything together. I just, I look back and I'm just sort of like, my God, I couldn't have orchestrated that. I wouldn't know where to begin. I would... I wouldn't know where to begin. And so that's whenever people are, I talk to me and they're like, you know, I'm, I want I have these 18 samples and I'm out here doing that. I said, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Go to God first with all your 18 samples, go take them to God. Say, Lord, show me which one you want me to do something with. And then now father God, I partner with you. Let's do something with this thing. It's just sort of like seek God first in everything, your health, your marriage, your friendships, your relationships. When you wake up, when you go to sleep, it's just like that, that, that we, I, I, like I abide in the shadow of the almighty. Like, it's just sort of, that's, and and when you said before I get passionate about it, it's my life. God is God is. I've watched him, I've watched him deliver people from the brink of of of, of death. I've watched him transform hearts. I've watched him take people who are truly dead inside and wicked and cruel and turn them into something miraculous and wonderful. Man can't do that. That is purely that's 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 spirit. And it's just sort of. 
that therein lies sort of, you know, my compass, frankly, and 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 all I know. I'm like, I wish I knew other things. But actually, no, I don't wish I knew other things. I actually know the Bible says the only thing that is needful is the word of God. And so that's I, right. I, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's all it's all you need. It was like Mary and Martha, where there was this, you know, um, Jesus came to visit uh, Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, and and you know he was he was sitting down and talking to Martha. He was just sort of like talking to Martha and, and sharing with her the word because if Jesus talks to you, that's the word. Yeah. And Mar Mary was like trying to make dinner and she was cleaning up everywhere and she was running around and all this stuff. And then she was watching Martha being like, "Man, what are you doing?" And then she like came over to Jesus and she was like, "Martha is not helping me clean up. Martha's not helping me cook any dinner. Martha is out here just listening to you." And then Jesus said, "Hey, Mary." Uh -uh. Calm down, no. It's just like Martha is actually doing the only thing that's important, the only thing that's needful, which is hearing from me. All the stuff you're doing, it's not gonna. I, like I think I, again, that's what meditating on the word. I used to think that people memorize scripture. The truth of the matter is, you don't memorize scripture. When you read it, it, it's alive to you. You'll never lose it. It's like people always say, like, oh, I can't read the Bible. The Bible's so big. But how many songs do you know? How right. many movie, how many lyrics do you know to songs? How many movie things do you know? How much random information do you right. know? That's because that's where your mind is. But if the Bible says think, you know, think things of heaven and not things of earth, and I and I'm 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 taking in the word, that's what fills my mind. So it's like in situations I'm running around, I'm hustling, I'm like, oh, I'm being Mary. Ah, God, forgive me. Let me go to your word. <laughs> like, let me focus back on you so I can be Martha. Because you said this is the one thing that's important. And so, you know, it is it's life the bible says work out your faith work yeah. it out so it's yeah so it's active it's very active it's the most active thing i've ever done in my life imagine yeah. you're not knowing what to do and just being like i'm supposed to just worship you yeah. do about rent worship me but what am i going to do about worship me what am i going to worship me what yeah exactly it's the most active thing in the world yes. yeah yeah so awesome yes and you know what i see the peace that it brings you and I see that it it everything that you do you're doing it in in prayer um which is so awesome and it is it is your compass um and and what a compass to have and what a beautiful thing that you know you keep saying that your mom was such a godly woman and that if if I give anything to my daughter it would be to teach her to have her own relationship with God so that that inspires yes that your mom was that to you and now you yes. know that is a mom and i just would like if, if i pass anything to her that 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 is what it yes. is because that's what it turns up being it, it ends up being her compass you know yes yeah. the bible said train up your child in the way of the lord and they will never depart from it it's just one of those things where it's like there was there's only one thing to give anybody and i used to be so confused when my mom would say that like the only thing i have to give you is the lord and i was just sort of like well how about how about and it's like that's it because it's like that i think so much about life is all about perspective wherever you're looking at is what you're going to be focused on is what you're going to have. Mm -hmm. And if the, if darkness is where you're looking, if pain is where you're looking, if depression is where you're looking, and that's all you speak for yourself, why are you surprised when bad things happen? You want it, like you kind of wanted it. Right. Um, and it's hard for people to hear that because it's just sort of like, no, everyone, but it's like, no, if that's all you're confessing over your life and over your world, and you don't, you can't, your eyes cannot move from that. And it's like, that's where your focus is. And the Bible says, whatever is, as a man thinketh, so shall he be, yeah. you know what I mean? It's sort of like, what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. And so it's like, you've got to change your mind and you got to change your heart. And it's like, and the whole, the, the joy of it, all of this is like, 
you would think that I'm out here like I'm the one who did it. No, what I learned, and this is what I did not learn growing up in the church, the Holy Spirit actually is the quickening spirit who does it. When Jesus was, when Jesus was, was, was going to be crucified, he let his disciples know that after I'm gone, because if Jesus is with the Father right now, after I'm gone, we, we, we understand the Trinity is sort of like, I will leave you a comforter. I will leave you an advocate. I will leave you a, a teacher. I will leave you the one who will lead you into all truth. That's what I will leave you. I will leave you my spirit. And that's who dwells in us. And I literally, I when I open up my Bible, I'm like, all right, Holy Spirit, I need your help to teach me this word. Reveal yourself to me. Illuminate the word to me so that I can take all of you in because I don't know how to do that on my own. The Bible says that you're either controlled by your sinful nature or you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. You have to choose. And so whenever I hear people struggling, I'm relatively sort of like, you know, binary about that because I'm just sort of like, I hear what you're saying and I know that, you know, all of those things and I, I understand it, but I'm just sort of like, you got to ask the Holy Spirit. You got like, give yourself that chance. If people are like, they'll take a chance on drugs. They'll take a chance on therapy. They'll take a chance on this. Also take a chance on the Holy Spirit. See what that's like. You know what I mean? See what that's like. Because if you've done all those other things and you have to keep going back and keep, it's like, okay, well then there's something that needs to, to, to shift there. So it's like, see what, see what this, this Holy Spirit is all about. And that's, that's something that I didn't know. I actually never spoke to i never engaged with the holy spirit in any kind of way because i didn't know and then as i'm reading the bible every other page then the holy spirit came upon him <clears throat> then the holy spirit did this the holy spirit i was like this holy spirit is active why don't they talk about him yeah you know what i mean why don't people talk about him more it's like it's, again I, I realize i'm like the devil does not want people to know who they are right. he wants people to live beneath what they are yeah. and when jesus says as i am so are you he's not being superfluous yeah literally saying i me whole jesus who yeah. walked on water who healed the sick who raised the dead who prophesied who is god on earth who is god in flesh the whole of me will reside in you but if you don't know that yeah if you don't know that hey zahara if you don't know that you will never live it right yeah never live it it's like somebody literally sitting on a million dollars being like i don't have anything it's like right million dollars under you right there friend like just look down but you're not looking you're right. looking all you're looking at all the lack but with ah yeah yeah man no That's so true yeah yeah and when once you have it like you said before you know you just you have to share it it's just innate to yeah. want to share such a such a piece and such a feeling yeah that's so, that's unbelievable, you know, and I love being able to share your story because it shows, you know, of all the success and of all the triumph and of all the challenges and of all of all the things that you've been through, your foundation is always going to be your relationship with God. And that is the first and foremost you, thing you speak about. And that that's so inspiring. And I think, um, you know, like we, I said before, I think that's something more people need to do. Mm -hmm. uh, especially more people in certain industries um, that have so much influence on the rest of people uh, to be able to share that piece and, and share those things that will eventually make the world a better place. Yeah. Uh, that's what we eventually want. Yeah, it's like we, you know, the, 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 <laughs> we give God the glory in all things because the fact of the matter is if, if, if <laughs> I, I wasn't, I didn't make myself 
I wasn't made for myself. I think there's a there's a there's a really a, a very unfortunate reality for a lot of people who, you know, the pleasing of self is really important, but I live to please God. And because I live to please God, the life that I lead is is a testament to who he is. So everything points back to him. I, I have all these conversations a lot of times with people who want to know how to be, how to break into the business. And then when I tell them how to break into the business from, from what I know, they get so frustrated. And I ask them, I'm like, have you written scripts? They're like, yes. Have you met with people? They're like, yes. And I was like, well, that's how to break into the business, but it hasn't happened. So now... <laughs> you right. need something else so it's just sort of like so it's just sort of like the, the, this business is not like a tower that you have to scale and climb it's right. very it's relatively sort of like one-to-one and so that's why I'm always like you know I, so I know that you're frustrated by the fact that you think I'm going to give you a magic tool right. or something to do something different but the fact of the matter is have you written yeah do you like what you wrote yeah at some point someone else is going to like it so it's like you're doing everything you need to do but I'm more concerned about what's where's your soul because I, I i you know where's your soul where's your where's where, where's your 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 source frankly because it's one of those things where you know no matter what i do in this town no matter what i do anywhere frankly because god could tomorrow be like okay leave hollywood all this kind of stuff i'd be like thank you it's been great and then i'll go wherever he leads because that's that is that is because i know that wherever he leads i will give him glory with that as well and he wants his children to be prosperous he wants his children to be successful he wants his children you know he's to give us life and that life more abundantly he wants the fullness of life for us so it's just one of those things where the, the only reason why i enjoy my job is because of god the only reason why I, you know, if God can create heaven and earth, he can write a script. It's not, you know, it's, yeah. it's not, it's, so it's like that, if, if that's my biggest accomplishment, I'm just like, oh gosh, like, you know, I, I, that's that, that, that would never be. Yeah. yeah. It's a very big way to, to look at it. Very big, um, spiritual, intellectual way to, to look at your life. Yeah. That's that. And, and again, most people will think, you know, success and you're at the top of your game when you're able to write something that everyone can be like, Oh my gosh, she's, or when you're able to do something or have something. Um, but when you see it way above that, then that's, I mean, that's a whole different higher level of, of thinking and yeah. living great. Yeah. Because yeah. it's sort of, there are people who are, I'm in this business with a lot of people who hate themselves. Yeah. I'm in this business with a lot of people who are very successful, who, you know, don't know that God loves them. I'm in this business with a lot of very wealthy. So it's like, if wealth and success is the goal, man, once you get it and there's still that separation from God, you're not going to feel much better. Right. You know what I mean? You're not going to sort of see things any differently. And so if you might be able to buy more stuff, but all, you got to take it with you when you die. Yeah. So it was just, you know. And such a, such a great um, opportunity to have, to be able to witness, you know, something like that would just kind of cements uh, your faith even more to see, you know, no matter how much success comes your way, you know, and people who are lucky enough to have been in that position to say, you know, I'm extremely successful, but I haven't found my peace and happiness yet, you know, and then you see a lot of those people who did turn to God and now they're able to testify to that such a, it's such an awakening thing to see that like, yeah, it's, it's true, you know, and some people still won't know that until they themselves reach their level of success and see that, okay, I still don't feel fulfilled. What else is there? Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and I, and, and I think that's part of, that's part of what the walking out 
the word of God and living out the word of God really is all about because it's just sort of, you know, uh, that there's there so many lies that overwhelm and lead people, you know, uh, uh, astray. Yeah. And I think it's really, really important for people who, you know, the Bible says, you know, you've been a believer so long, you should now be teaching people, but you're still, you still need to be taught the basics. Mm -hmm. And so it's just sort of like, it's so important to now, you know, begin to, 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 to sort of live it out and then, and then, and then share and then share the truth of it. Because it's, it's, it's one of those things where I always say it's like gravity. You don't think about gravity every day, but everything is conformed to gravity. And it's the same thing. It's like, even if you're not thinking about God, even if you're not thinking about uh, who Jesus is, it just is, it just is. And so it's like, if you're living outside of that, that's that's all, it's a choice right but it just is and so it's just sort of man like w- what we know is that none of us made the heavens and the earth none of us barely know what to do with the oceans none of us barely know what to do with the mountains we're like somebody right. put them there and it's just sort of like then you're living in creation the fact that we're able to talk someone created us no this human beings have not been able to create life one bit and we're very aware aware of that and so it's just sort of like even if you're not thinking about god you're operating in 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 him and so because of that, I think it's so important that whenever you do, people do hear, it's sort of with a level of humility to be able to say like, okay, I don't know everything. I don't know what this person's talking about, but let me give it a second. Because yeah. the fact of the matter is, I know, for example, in 2020, when all this stuff was going on, everyone was out here asking for prayers and everyone was out here like terrified of what was going to happen. Everyone was like, oh, this is the end. And I literally, there were a lot of people, I was like, if you believe this is the end, if you actually believe in your heart that this life is done, that this is Armageddon, what will you do? What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Like, honestly, I, I'm very curious. What do you do with that? Are you prepared for what happens after this? Yeah. And it's just sort of, there were, in a lot of ways, it was a great time to minister because a lot of people were like, I don't know. I don't like, and it's just, you know, it's, it's like, um, you gotta, those things are going to happen regardless. I think that's the biggest thing, you know? Right. heaven and hell are very real and those choices are going to have to be made regardless yeah. and like I was saying before the only thing the only thing that God is judging anyone for it's not going to be sin it's not going to be anything like that you can murder a thousand people it doesn't matter God is not judging people for sin God is only judging people for not receiving his son yeah. that's it yeah only judgment that's going to happen is for people who do not receive Jesus mm-hmm. because again in Jesus he takes away your sin outside of Jesus, therein lies death. And so the only thing people are going to be judged for is not receiving Jesus. Yeah. And that is such an important thing. There's so many people I love, so many people I work with that don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I cannot in, a, in, in, in co- consciousness be in spaces where it's like, at the very least, I'm not, the Bible says you can't convince someone into salvation. You can't manipulate them into salvation. You can't force them into salvation. You can just share the good news. Yeah. I can only share it. I can share it. I can live it in there. And, you know, that's yeah. about it. And so, you know. Do you ever write um, like scripts or, or stories around that? I, the thing that's funny is so much of the, I am starting to now, and I'm starting to now in, in a way that, that I know for me, I've never, like, I, growing up, I watched so many Christian movies. I was like, oh, 
Yeah. But the thing, and like, I, I genuinely like, as a, as a creative person, I always had an aversion to the way people categorized um, Christianity yeah. um, because it's sort of like, it was always religion. And the thing about it, again, religion was created because when we were separated from God, when Adam and Eve sinned and we were separated from God, that, that emptiness people needed to fill um, and that's where all these religions came from. That's where the, even there's a Christian religion, but that's not Christianity because Christianity is a Christ life. And so there's a religiosity to Christianity, which is like, you gotta pray, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. You gotta, 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 gotta. And all of these gottas that people are like, God hates this and God hates that. My gosh, it's just sort of like, that's the religious aspect of it, which is not actually walking the Christ life. Because if you read the Bible, you would know that, wait, that doesn't correlate. And so for me, my heart's desire is sort of like um, how to, not even how to, but my heart's desire is to tell stories that are very much populist, you know, everybody watching it kind of stories and everyone taking it in kind of stories. But those stories are um, laden with, 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 the truth of, of Christ in a lot of ways. And so those are the things that I've been sort of working on now and normalizing, frankly, what it means to actually just be, you know, a child of God, like what that actually looks like in, in regular everyday life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because everyone's always so worried. They feel like, oh, I've sinned. I've done this. I've done that. I can't go to God. I'm dirty. And it's like, I want people to know, like, that's not a thing. So it's like, okay, imagine, you know, you take a a story like a vampire story of someone who thinks they're undead and what that transformation looks like. So it's like how to tell, how to tell stories that I love to watch, you know, but within, you know, a canon that's, that's, um, what, yeah. what, as a creative yourself who, who writes stories and scripts, what do you think your favorite genre is? Do you have a favorite? I, ha- I, as a, my mind works in two prongs. I, as a viewer and a, and like a, as a viewer and a consumer of content, I really like everything. Okay. I'll watch, I will, I love genre stuff. I'll watch the, 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 the zombie movie. I'll watch the ridiculous comedy. I'll watch the reality TV show. I love content. I love content. Um, but as a, as a writer, on the feature side, I love exploring different genres. But on the TV side, I'm a really big fan of writing like um, uh, interpersonal dramedies. So I love people engaging with each other and making problematic choices back and forth mm-hmm. with one another. Those are spaces I really enjoy. Uh, but on the feature side, I'm like, I really think I want to do an action movie. Okay, what's my version of an action movie? What's my version of a horror movie that I did? What's my version of a big studio comedy? Like, those are the things I'm always like, what's my version of a kid's movie? Like, I, I just want to sort of like, and then I'll study those and then I'll, I'll, I'll make them. Um, so that's kind of how I function. I, I, I really, on the team, because with TV, I always tell people, I'm like, I got really great advice from my boss on This Is Us. He said that when you make a show, do a show that you could write a hundred episodes of by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I was just sort of like, that's something that I love because I'm like, okay, what 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 do I have to say for a hundred episodes that I know that I could self-generate? And whenever I know that, I'm like, okay, this is where I want to, this is what I want to say and this is what I want to tell. So if somebody was like, hey, can you do Game of Thrones? I'd be like, I don't got a hundred episodes of Game of Thrones in me. I'm just like, yeah. no. So my like compass for choosing stuff is very very sharp very cool yeah that's good so when you when you write something like if you're let's say you're writing for a show what is what does that entail like what is that process yeah um so I'll give you examples with with the show that I work on there are uh, there are about 15 of us in the writer's room 
Mm-hmm. Um, we are all, before you get the job on the show, before, yeah, before you get the job on the show, this is how you, you get a job on the show. You're a person um, who is, um, who's studied the craft of screenwriting, you've written enough, and this business is a business. So it's like, no matter how lovely you are, if someone can't make money off of you, it's very hard to sort of engage. Um, So it's like, if you wrote something that you feel like is the best thing in the world, but it's like, no one's gonna pay money to watch this. Yeah. Um, Consider that because again, would you pay money to watch your own script? And if you would, then great, write it. Um, so, so you, you, you go through that process, your script gets to, and this is network show or anything like that, your script gets to a studio. So your script gets to, for my case, and my script got to Fox. And so now they read every, they read a ton of people and then they decide who they want to sort of like send in a way to, to the show. And then the show gets your script. So the show is in like the executive on the show or the showrunner on the show or anybody on the show gets the material and they get sent it by an agent. They get the materials and they're sent by an agent and then they read it and they're thinking about how they want to staff their room so if they're what's your favorite show um it, this is the older one it's not an ongoing show um, it's one that i loved i thought it was really well done the oj simpson trial excellent so that's a ryan murphy show okay. um so that's a ryan murphy show and so ryan murphy is doing that with fx ryan murphy and that's also a 20th century fox show that was a 20th century fox show so now ryan murphy is you know has the show that he wants to create and so now he has to staff his room so he basically is not going to write the show himself he's going to bring other people around who are smart and capable that he wants to sort of sit with so it's kind of like you're in a conference room with the smartest five people that you know and you're all coming to get coming up source together. So Ryan Murphy gets, he tells his the agencies and the studio, I have this OJ Simpson show that I'm working on. I like to staff my room with people who are great drama writers, great character writers, people who have an understanding of, of, of pop culture and pulpy stuff, and people who can also do mystery really, really well. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know, but those are like, those are just knowing the show, like those are the four criteria that he has. Okay, so now all the agents are aware of this and all the agents of town are aware of this and all the studio, the, the studio that oversees the show is aware of this. So now they're reading people. They're reading people and they're sending people to Ryan. They're sending people to Ryan and his team. And so Ryan now has a stack of scripts in his inbox that he's just going through and he's reading. There are things that he responds to that he's like, oh, I really like this voice. Now I wanna meet this person. I want to sit down and meet this person that wrote this thing that I really, really like. It's not that they wrote OJ, but they wrote a story from their heart. But it's a story that he's like, okay, the fact that they can write this, I think they can be good in this room. This is their resume, basically. I think they'll be good in this room. So now he sits down with a person. The person comes in and they're like meeting Ryan Murphy and he's asking them questions like, who are you? What do you do? What do you like? Do you know the OJ story? What do you remember it from when you were a kid? What was the craziest part? And then you just sort of talk, you get to know each other. Um, and that conversation could go really, really well and or it could go really, really poorly. And so based on how it goes, because he could, you could come in there, have a brilliant script, and then you come in there and you're like a straight up weirdo. Yeah. And then he's like, I don't want to hire this person. Great script, crazy person. Yeah. Oh, and then, or you could come in there with a great script and like be awesome. Or you could come in there with an okay script and be awesome. And then he's like, you know what? Maybe I didn't love, love your script, but there were things in there that I feel like I can work it with, but I really like you. You're really, really smart. And so you staff your room. Now he's hired everyone. He's hired all, 
five of the people he wants to hire. And so now they all come together, starting on potentially a Monday in a room, probably where his studio was. Um, and they all just sort of sit around a table. Now, Ryan has already written the first episode. So he's like, everyone's read the first episode. And now they talk about what the season is. They're like, okay, I think we need one episode where, you know, we definitely go into the brain of, 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 of this female character, where we understand the politics of what it meant to be a woman in, you know, as a lawyer, you know, in that time and she changes her hair and it's really difficult. And Ryan is like, oh, I love that. Let's go ahead and map that out. And then someone is like, oh, we need an episode from Johnny Cochran's point of view because this was so much about race and so much about class and so much about all of that stuff. And so you talk about it. You just spend hours and hours talking about it. And then you start putting a whiteboard together where you map out everything that you're talking about. And you start creating a shape of like what the big picture of the show is. So you know what the show is going to get to because you know what the OJ Simpson trial is, but you don't know how you're going to get there. And in the course of this conversation, you are like your creative friends and all these other really smart people. You guys are throwing out ideas, writing them on the board. And so now you've broken. That's what we call it. You've broken the season of what the show is. So now each episode now gets broken specifically. So now you have a big map. Now you need to make that big map even clearer. So, so now and that and then that map that's even clearer you do more pitching you do more talking and now that person has a roadmap for what the episode is then that episode gets assigned to a particular writer so not every room is like that some rooms everyone writes on everything and every and then they give the credit to one person but that show i know that they like assigned it to a particular writer so it's like joe robert cole for example wrote the 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 johnny cochran episode and i re like i remember that distinctly because i loved that episode and i i met joe when i was at bbc because he had this really dope pilot I think it was even the pilot that may have gotten him stabbed. He had this really, really dope pilot that was really, really smart and really like mysterious and intriguing. And it was about like politics, but also crime, which is again, OJ. Yeah. Um, and so it's just sort of like, so I knew that he would be, he was a great voice in there. And then Anthony Hemingway, who's this dope black director directed it. And so it was like of one mind in a show that was about all these other things. Um, and so, so yeah, so then, you know, they go off and they write it. Um, Ryan, Brad, Ryan and Brad, who, Brad Falchuk, who's his, his, his creative partner, they write everything together. They will read it and they'll do a pass on it. They'll rewrite it and, and change all that stuff. And then this goes into production. So at that, while they're in the writer's room doing that, there's also a division that's casting. There's also a division that's putting together the directors and all that kind of stuff. There's a there's every single show is like a little mini business, a little mini enterprise with everyone working all together for the good of putting that thing on TV. Um, and so, so yeah, so it's it's sort of a when the show gets greenlit, you hire all these different departments. They all know what the show is about and they begin to start working. And as you give them scripts, they take those scripts and they turn it into hiring these cast members, getting these costumes, getting these locations and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, that's, that is the, the machinations of, of, of that's running incredible. a show. It's so incredible. And to see, and that's what I love about, that's what I was saying earlier. Like I've never been starstruck by any sort of actor, celebrity, rapper, singer, anything like that. But I'm so in awe of all that it takes to create what it is that they finally put on the screen for us to watch and be entertained by. Like that, the level of that creativity just when you were explaining that makes me like so excited <laughs> just to hear it. Like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, that is phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I love writing. Um, definitely, I can't even wrap my head around what it would take to write an, a, a whole show episode 
and to know each character and to build a character into real life. Like that to me is the coolest thing to just, to just be, write a story, come up with a story, a plot, a setting, an actor, a character, and then a relationship with all these other characters and a story. That whole process to me is very, very cool. Um, yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, that's very, that's very kind, but it's one of those things where it's just sort of like, at the end of the day, it's just, it's like, it's a, it's a job, right? So it's like, I know that I'm overwhelmed when I see someone like run into a fire. I wouldn't know what to do if I was a firefighter. I would like that, that concept of it. It's like, you're literally looking at a burning building and you're like, I should go in there. <laughs> so it's like, that is, but you're trained for it. You know what to do when you go in there. And so I, I look at, I look at what we do very much as a craft. So it's like, it might, it's like, every i think i think the, the, we're always in awe of things that are like different spaces and different, stuff yeah yeah and so it's just sort of like what well, so hearing you say that is really funny but it's just sort of like that's also what the day-to-day -day is supposed to be right. you know what i mean and it's just sort of like you we have i you know i have to think about all these different people and, and come up with you know uh, an interesting way for them to interact with one another i just also enjoy it but i've also i learned how to do i like been trained to do it if mm -hmm. that makes sense so it's just but so i think that like you know i i think that yeah yeah that's it what do you think the next what do you think the next steps are for you like do you have a goal or goals that you have already set um do you have a vision for your next 10 years what you think you want to achieve in those 10 years yeah it's a it's a it's i think my my goals are always start from uh my sort of personal life goals first and i i my desire is to sort of is to be to build the kingdom, uh, to sort of be very um, engaging in, in the spreading of the gospel in a very real way. And so my 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 heart's desires are really sort of like, Lord, I want I, like Timothy, um, who was an apostle of, of of Christ. He said this thing that I I like. I literally, if I could, the word of God is written on my heart. But if I could actually take out my heart and tattoo it on my heart, I would. He said, my life has been poured out as an offering to you, Lord. And that always stuck with me because it's like the, to be able to say, my life has been poured out as an offering to you is the most beautiful and incredible thing ever. And I told God when I read it and the Holy Spirit ministered to me the truth behind it. I said, God, that is what I want to say. When I meet you in person, when I meet you face to face, I know you and I've met you, but when I meet you face to face before I come into your kingdom, I want to be able to say, Lord, everything that I am, I gave to you. And I want you to say to me, daughter, you did well. That's truly what I want. That is my heart's desire. And so when I think about the next 10 years of my life, it's sort of like, Lord, use me to build your kingdom, use me to reach your children, use me, Father, use me, everything, use me, Lord, I am ready to be used by you, and so that is the number one goal, that's a number one desire, that's a desire that, that I pray about every day, that's a desire that I walk in um, every day, and I, I just thank him for continuing to reveal different ways to do that, um, and so that's the desire. As far as work goes, 
I've started now directing and I will continue to direct. I have a an overall deal that is going to have a production handle. And so I will continue to make stuff. I'm doing publishing now for, for different books. I'm sort of getting into unscripted areas. And so it's just like, for me, to be honest, and it's something that I very, <laughs> I used to struggle with this, this thing where I didn't ever want to sort of sound arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always felt like very weird about it. So I would sort of like, you know, but then I realized that's false humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, because the thing that's funny is like when people, when, when the, the, the Pharisees and, and Sadducees asked Jesus who he was, he was like, I am that I am. Mm-hmm. He was like, are you saying that you're the son of God? Yeah, you said it if you know me, you know God. And he was just so clear and it was never arrogant or anything like that. He was just sort of like, no, because I'm the son of God. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm telling you who I am. And so I realized that I took, again, you, we take from the word of God, everything it's written on us. And so I realized I was like, there is no part of me that is worried about what I can and can't do in this business. Anything that God places on my heart to do in this town, I will do it and it will be excellent. I have no doubt about that at all. There is no part of me. I was just like, if I want to make, you know, a blockbuster, Heavenly Father, do you want me to make a blockbuster? Great, let's go make a blockbuster. If I want to start a production company, Jesus, can, do you want me to start a production company? Will it give you glory? Great, I'll go make a production. It's just those things, the way as you grow, especially as you grow in, 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 in the Lord, those kinds of things shift, right? It's just sort of like those kinds of, he told, he said, you know, like what does, if worry doesn't add anything to your life, yeah. And I, the word doesn't add any extra hours to your day or anything like that. And then he's like, you've watched me feed the birds. You've watched me clothe the flowers and you are worried about what you eat, where you will sleep, how you will survive. And I do that for the birds and the flowers. Do you know how much more I will do it for you? I made you in my image. I love you. I like those. I love you. I will give you all of those things. It's like, don't worry about those things. So for me, all that stuff, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm very much not. And I, and it's truly, that's why I said, I don't want it to ever come off as cocky. It's just, I just trust God so much. I just trust God so much. I'm not worried about any of those things, all those things. I'm like, those things have come, will come, yeah. whatever, a job, a movie, a, a TV show, a book deal. I just speak it and then bam, here it is. I said, thank you, God. I'll give this to you. <laughs> just like I give this back to you. But the real thing that's on my heart is what to do for the kingdom because getting a job is, you'll be surprised. Getting a job is, is quite as much easier than um, winning a soul mm. and getting somebody who has no idea who God is, who is dealing with something to actually grapple and lock in to who Christ is and to sort of truly see who they are in Christ. And that is, that is much harder, much harder than getting a job. So that's my, that's where my goals are. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. That's so, that's so encouraging and inspiring because, you know, a lot of us feel that like that pressure, a constant pressure of, you know, we need to make it happen. We need to succeed. We need to be an example. We need to be a role model. We need to, you know, prove it to our own selves, you know, what our worth is and things like that. But when you kind of let all of that go and just say, you know, use me like my, 
I don't think I've ever heard anyone when I ask them about their goals say their number one goal is for God to use me. And that that really got me all teary-eyed because that is so moving, you know, and so humbling to know that, you know, that's that's a number one goal for you. And that should be a number one goal for every single one of us. And it's, it's such a, it's also such a freeing feeling to know that like there's so much pressure in the world that we put on ourselves and each other. But if we just know that our number one goal is God, just use me for whatever it is that's going to bring people closer to you, that it kind of relieves all that pressure, you know? Yes, in a very real way. And I think that there's to, to what you just said, which is very true, there are people do stress out about all of those things and people do stress out about achieving and success and all of these things and, and, and they're all important. But I think that's part of what the joy of the Lord is really about because they're not just important to you, they're also important to God. And he actually wants all of those things for you. But because people are so stressed out about it, they don't ever actually include God in that process. But if you actually are stressed out about it and you give that to him, he will work it out for you. And then he will work it out for you in such a way that you now have room to now say, God, what can I do for you? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, it's, 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 it's a very, it's a very real thing. And it's something that takes, it takes a hunger. Yeah. Very honest. It takes a hunger for God to, to be able to sort of like, to, 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 to begin that process. You have to want God with everything. Yeah. And because when you, when you see, he says, seek me, you know what I mean? He says, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. He wants us so badly, so desperately. He said, I was waiting to bless them, but they never called on me. Wow. And it's just sort of like, it's one of those things where I, whenever I read the Bible, I get very emotional because I just sort of like, it's imagining your daughter, right? Your daughter is struggling with something and you have, and, and like you are, you want to help her so badly. And it's not one of those things where it's like, because of the, the what you, what you've set up, it's like, you want to help her so badly, but she does not know you. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that little beautiful young girl who just like does not know you and is out in the world trying to figure it out. Your heart just breaks because you just want to be able to, you want to be able to hold her face and say like, I am your mother. I will give my everything for you. Know that. And it's like, that's how I truly feel about my relationship with God. He took me by the face and said, I love everything about you. All of your brokenness, all of your fear, just give it to me. I will replace it with myself. And it's like, it took me a very long time to truly know that and truly believe that and walk that out. And it's something that I, 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 as a testimony from what I've experienced, wanting to share that with people and let them know that because it's not something you said earlier that you wanna grow your faith. The thing that God has told us is that he has given every man the same measure of faith. He's given every, there's no, you don't have, you and I don't have a different amount of faith. That's not what we have. Here's what the difference is. The Bible says my children perish for lack of knowledge. Mm. The difference between you and I is not faith. Mm. It's not spirituality. It's knowledge. Mm. And that's there. And the only place I get my knowledge from is from the word. Mm. 
And the only place that I, the only way I can read my word is through the, the help of the Holy Spirit, because I've read, I was reading my Bible as a kid. I didn't know what I was reading. Yeah. I didn't know what I was looking at. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, how much, well, I don't understand King James. I don't know thee, thou, that. And so then I was like, I was like, okay, Lord, how can I do this practically? And then he reminded me, he was like, well, you're a student. What would you do? How would you study? Cause he asked us to study the word. I was like, well, I would, first of all, get a book I understand. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what is the translation of this Bible that I understand? And I was like, okay, the New Living Translation was one after reading a bunch. I was like, okay, I understand this. And I was like, okay, now I need to get a study Bible so I can really break this down. And so as I'm doing that, and then the number one kicker is sort of like asking the Holy Spirit to help. So as I'm reading it, now all of a sudden, as I'm reading it, I'm like, I'm read, I'm like any place. I'm like looking at Genesis with the creation of Adam and Eve. God wanted a family so badly. He created mankind. And then when the devil tempted Eve, I realized the devil didn't actually like tackle Eve and shove the apple in her mouth. Because if that was the case, then that means that the devil is powerful and he's powerful and he can take away our will. But in reading that the Holy Spirit showed me very clearly what he said was he tried to convince Eve that she knew more than God. Eve, who was in the garden that was created by God, God who came to her every day and fellowship with her. Now this enemy comes and just plants a seed. That's why when we talk about seed, plants a seed that all of a sudden she knows more than God. That is the origin of sin, where we place self above God. Then now all of a sudden, just seeing that, and people like, oh, I know the story of Adam and Eve. I'm like, no, let the Holy Spirit teach it to you. Because then when you understand that, you can now see two things or three things or a thousand things. The devil can't do anything. All he does is he convinces you or he tries to convince you of who you are not. And therein lies the beginning. So anytime anything that you think you think, he planted that mind in you, someone else says to you that contradicts the word of God, bind that enemy. The Bible says, resist the devil, he will flee. What does the Bible say about me? It says I'm wonderfully made. Who is going to tell me otherwise? Did you create me? How can you tell me otherwise? If the Bible says I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, what what can you do to me? And it's like knowing that, but you don't know it because you think you can do something. You're like, God, if you are God, reveal this to me. I am going to stand on your word. And if I die, I died standing on your word. It has to get there because like I said, you and I don't have a different level of faith. Not at all. Luckily, he said he gave everyone same measure of faith. God cannot give you anything more than he's already given because he's given us everything. So now the difference is what do you know about him? Right. What do you know about that faith? Yeah. And when you begin to know it, do you trust it? Because if I'm here saying, I'm going to catch you when you fall and you refuse to fall, yeah. what, do, what, what what difference does my arms do? Right, right. If you refuse to fall, I can't even show you that I can catch you. Right. And we just will never get there. Yeah. So it's just sort of like, what do you know about God? And do you trust that thing that you know? And if you don't trust it, just like with any other relationship, how can you begin to trust it? When yeah. you first met your husband, you didn't trust him. Right. But over time, as he's proven himself to you, you can trust him. Give God that chance. Yeah, absolutely. Give God that chance. Take him on his word. Mm. If you start feeling doubt or depression, say, Father God, you said you give me joy. I do not feel joy right now. You said you will give it to me. And I I ask you, Lord, give me that joy. 
you will be surprised. You will be shocked, shocked. You sell it, like it's it's just one of those things where it's like it is a it is a working, moving, transforming relationship, and it's one that is steeped in knowledge and growth. And if we are not growing in the Word, we're dying. Yeah, it'll never get. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so true. It it takes work. It's not even when I first made my transition into you know becoming a Christian. I knew like right then it was a feeling in, in church, you know, when I decided to, you know, convert it at that moment, it was a feeling. It was like, Whoa, like the pastor had said something very particular that was like only in my head, you know, exact same words. So I knew God was like, okay, I'm, I'm giving you what you've been asking for the moment. And it was like an overwhelming feeling. But then also the thought in my head was this is not just a everlasting feelings are like, this is going to take work. This isn't just some joyous, you know, a moving spirit feeling constantly. You know, it's going to take now me studying, me getting to know, you know, this new path that I'm on. And in order it's, it's like, you want to just like getting to know your husband, like you can get to know someone and it's all fun in the beginning and it's all, you know, you're in love and it's exciting. And then after five years, if you aren't actively still trying to learn that person and still get to know all of their changes and go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, that relationship is going to die off. Mm -hmm. It's the same exact thing. And I knew in my head, like it's, this is just going to be an upward onward journey of learning and learning. Yeah. And the thing that's funny is like the, the same habits, because I always use analogies in that same way. It was just like the same habits of how you build relationships with people is what you apply. But the difference here is who you're building it with. Yeah. Unlike your husband or unlike your friend or unlike your kid who can disappoint you, God, it is impossible. Yeah. He can't let you down. He can't disappoint you. He can't, though none of those things are even possible in him. I always laugh because they're the things that I always say to people. I'm just sort of like, the Bible says, let every man be a liar and God be true. Mm-hmm. So if something is not working out, the truth of the matter is, as we build our foundation with people around us who are, who are, who, who we grow in, we're the body of Christ, right? We're the body. It's like you get counsel from people, you're reading the word, you're praying, you're getting revelation and you realize, oh, there's something in me that he's working on. There's a character in me that he's shifting. There's something in me that needs to be adjusted because he's a good father, very good father. And he only corrects those he loves. And so for that reason, it's just sort of like, it's a point of gratitude where you're like, okay, Lord, that mess up happened because I did not obey you in that moment. And I see that now. Thank you for bringing me out of that situation. Now, Holy Spirit, I need your help to make sure that never happens again. And it's like, therein lies, it's a constant sort of evolving because we are the ones evolving. God cannot evolve. He is evolved. You yeah. know what I mean? It's sort of like, so it's us that's growing to meet him, not him. Tra- you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things where it's like, and that's the joy of it because there's always deeper and deeper and deeper to go. And he said that like, literally just sort of like with an undivided heart, like get to know me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to fill you with the knowledge of me. And so it's just sort of like, therein lies what that joy, that, that like excitement is because just sort of like, oh my gosh, I, 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 I've been ministering to this young man who, when I first ministered to him, I just told him about the gospel. 
two days ago, we were having a conversation. He was asking me about, you know, about what's going on in the world and all this kind of stuff. And then I explained to him what happens in the book of Revelations. And as I'm explaining it to him and what the devil has planned and, and what, what sort of what, what, what God sort of set up as far as what those three years that the devil has been sort of given free reign, because right now we're living in God's grace, but there's going to be a period after all of God's children are gone, that this earth just will fully fall into darkness. So if you think things are bad now, that is a period where it's just nothing but the enemy allowed to do the enemy stuff but it's only three years and then after that lake of fire for him he's, he's, he's he has to go but he hates that he hates that so for him he wants to the devil wants to take as many people as he can with him to be with him in that period and he also wants more time and so that's why we're seeing what we're seeing because he wants more time and so as i explained that to him i he I, I the holy spirit ministered something to me and i said yo do you realize that when we first started this, because he has a hard time with the spiritual aspect of, 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 of walking with Christ. That's mm -hmm. like, because a lot of people, especially when you're so aware of your own intelligence, it's hard to know that God is a spirit being and you worship him in spirit and in truth. And so I said, do, so the Holy Spirit ministered this to me to share to him. I said, when we first started talking, I could never have said what I just said to you because your head would have exploded. Yeah. And then he took a second to realize, he was like, dude, if you talk to me the way you just talked to me the first time, I think I would have run away. Yeah. And I said, you have to understand, you might be, you might have a wrong notion of spiritual. You have a, probably a thought that spiritual is like you, like praying in the spirit and all that kind of stuff, which you'll get there, you will get there. But I was like, the thing about the spirit is that the spirit is a quickening spirit. So the measure of grace that God has given you has grown. Yeah. because when we first started talking, you could not have heard what I'm saying, but God's grace has grown inside of you that now you can receive it. I said, acknowledge that, yeah. recognize that, because that's a testimony right there. That's a testimony. The fact that you can take more of God's word is a testimony to the fact that you've grown and that growing is spiritual. You didn't get taller you didn't get more muscles. You know what I mean? It's just a knowing. And that's why the Bible says my children perish for lack of knowledge because there's so many that don't know. Yeah. And it's so important for us. He said in getting, in, what, did, what did he say? In, 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 in um, something about in getting knowledge, get understanding. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we have to know this word. We have to know this word. And as we get to know this word, we cannot help but live this word. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That is absolutely right. It gives me chills amazing no i mean the opportunities and you give back and you're mentoring people um on the spiritual level that that alone if you don't do anything else in your life and tomorrow that that alone makes the the biggest difference yeah that's oh I, I was going to what i was actually going to do i was looking at it i don't know what that is I was looking at it to sort of send your way. I wanted, I, I, and everyone is sort of in a different kind of space and it's always important to be respectful of that, of that space. But I was going to say that um, if you, in, and I always recommend the New Living Translation, it's Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through eight, as just something to read and, and sort of, um, and think about. And like just, and in the New Living Translation, 2 Timothy uh, chapter four, verses one through eight. Got it. But it's like, just sort of like give that chunk and, and just sort of like read that over and over and over again. Before you read it, ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand it and just read okay. that over and over and over again. Oh, I and, love that. And yeah. And sort of like, because it's like, 
it is, and that, that'll, weirdly enough, when you read that, I think this conversation will have a, a different kind of, um, a, the, 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 the goal of this conversation will kind of take on a different meaning. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I love that. And thank you for doing that. And, and the more, the merrier, please feel oh, please. Really free to, ever I will, I will email you. I will email you my cell phone yeah. number. And yeah. Because I'm constantly, you, you had referred to it earlier. I'm constantly hungry to achieve that deeper peace, that deeper uh, feeling of like love and safety. Um, mostly because when I became a mom, I think um, a lot of anxiety and depression and fear set in and mostly constant, like an obsessive fear over my daughter, over what she's going to experience in the world. And, oh, the world is so scary. It's such a scary place. And what if this, and what if that, and it's, it, it starts to get, I start to get so scared and full of worry that depression sets in and it's a feeling of, of like, um, like, like helplessness and not looking forward to the future because it's probably going to be so scary and bad. And I'm, I want to fight that so badly because it puts me in such a place of sadness mm -hmm. um, and like almost like defeat yeah. when, you know, and I want to be able to look at her life in excitement and, you know, anticipation and optimism and good. And I know the only, and, and if I want to pass down this like connection and this peace, she needs to see it in me first. So I want to, like, I'm so hungry to do whatever I need to do to first achieve it for myself. It's like putting on your own mask before you can help someone. I want it. Like I'm thirsty for it. I'm hungry. I want it so badly. It's like, a, oh, you know, that's... I don't want to be empty. I want to, yeah. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to be living this sadness anymore. I want, I want to have what my husband has. I want to have peace and I mostly want to pass it to my daughter. Yeah. So anything, anything you ever feel <laughs> compelled or you want to share, I would be so happy to take in. The thing about, and and I think we will, we can do it however you want to do it, but we'll, we'll, we'll pray. I think the thing about what you just said, that's so beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful is that every single point you brought up and any single point anybody would bring it, every single point you brought up, there is a truth that God has for every single point that you brought up, 100% in a way that is just like, bam, 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 bam. And he's just sort of like, daughter, I take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll cover this. I have that. The light, it's just all of those things. He has all so beautifully laid out. And he is so ready, not even ready. He's already, he's already in the process. The thing when we when we live a life with Christ, he reveals himself in many different ways, many, many different ways. And it's one of those things where it's just sort of like even this conversation to be had, even this conversation to be brought up what you've just shared is something that is so deeply on your heart. And I know that I know that I know the word of God that is in that Bible that I will begin to show you, you all of those answers, all of those answers, all of those answers are right there. Yeah. And so that the, the humility to be able to say, God, I want this. The Bible tells us that he is near to the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. He is 
faithful to answer every single one of those because what you just said, every single one of those, you cast those cares onto him. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. And he would take every one of those and he would transform every sadness into laughter. He would transform every moment because the thing about the, the devil, one thought snowballs into death. Because yeah. what you just described is one fear, one yeah. fear that yeah. bled into hopelessness. Yeah. Where's the life? Yeah. But the joy of the Lord is one word grows mm. into life. It moves in the opposite direction forward. And what's so beautiful about where you are is that because the hunger is there, he is literally right there, ready. Because you're ready, you didn't, you, this God, because you're ready, you didn't even know why we had to have this conversation, but you're ready. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, I need to meet her where she is. Because maybe there's a world where the people that are around her right now can't hear what she's saying clearly. But I need to meet her where she is. And I need to bring something to her because I need her to hear from me. And so therein lies, we will study. I would love for you to write down everything you just said, everything you just said, write it all down. You can send it to me in an email. We'll set up a Zoom conversation. I want to walk you through the Bible. I'm going to send me your address also. I'm going to buy you a new <laughs> translation study Bible. I will. I do. I, and I'm going to have it sent to you because I always, my whole thing is like, I if it's something that, if it's something that has worked for me, mm -hmm. I always want to share it. And I never want anyone to have any excuse about it. Yeah. I want to take the excuse away. I want that Bible to come to your door. Yeah. I want you to have it. So then if you tell me, oh, I couldn't find that, I'll be like, it's okay. Yeah. And so then you'll have it. And so we'll walk through every single one of those points that you just made. Yeah. And we'll walk through each of it and we'll pray about it. Because the truth of the matter is there is no reason, no reason for Jesus Christ to be living on the inside of you and you think that way yeah yeah he has he want he does not want that for you at all yeah i want that for you at all he said don't be conformed to this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind yes. your mind can be your that that all of those things those are all every last one of them are lies from the enemy because he wants to destroy you and subsequently destroy your daughter because satan only does three things kill steal, and destroy that's yeah. what he wants to do but god has already overcome him he has yeah. already defeated him so we will not let him take any of your joy we yeah. won't let him take your peace we won't let him take your sense of safety we won't let him take your sense of protection not at all yes amen yes that's right Amen to that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I prayed about it. I've, I've been praying about it. Bring, bring me more women into my life who could speak life, you know, into me, help me on this journey. I love that my husband helps me too. There's, there's almost like a barrier. It's almost like a, like an embarrassment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when like I, I it's so, I can't even, when we pray together, it, I always, he, he always has to pray because there's even an embarrassment for me to pray out loud in front of him. It's like this, yeah. So I'm always like, God, send me more people that can help me feel more comfortable to, to so then I can go deeper even in my marriage, you know, so that we're both able to, to be in the word together and not feel embarrassed or shy or weird or awkward or any of those things the devil i know is trying to do to keep it separated you know what i mean to keep him here and to keep me here you know like it's it's incredible yeah i just uh oh i'm i'm so blessed by this and and it's just because it's just sort of like the your your heart 
your heart, sorry, your heart, your heart. God wants you to know that he is fully, fully, fully there to render everything completely good. Mm -hmm. I'm just like your heart, where you are right now, you would be stunned how difficult it is for people to get there. Yeah. How almost impossible it is for people to get there. Yeah. But to be at such a place of, he's like, he meets you at your point of need. Yeah. At your point of need. When he met Mary Magdalene at the well, when Jesus met Mary Magdalene at the well, she was on her fourth, her fifth husband. On her fifth husband. And I think even that guy, I remember like he, she wasn't even married to him. She was just sleeping with a married man. Yeah. And she felt, and she was also someone who was not Jewish. She was not a Jew. She was a Samaritan. And so she was so stunned that this Jewish man was even talking to her. She felt so unworthy. Mm-hmm. And he asked her if she would get him some water from the well. And she was like, why are you even speaking to me? Like, I don't like, what, what do you even need from me? And then he explained to her that like, this water that you're giving me, this water, when I give you water, you will never thirst again. And he was so clear about that. And this was somebody who could not, who had been a prostitute, had been used by men, all of those things, could not see herself. But here's this man speaking life into her without realizing that this man is life. And so it's just one of those things where she was at a point of need, Mm -hmm. where she had gotten to the end of her rope. There's Mm -hmm. a version of her after the second man that may not have been there. Third man that may not have been there, but where she was in that moment where Jesus physically met her was where she was, her heart was so open to receive him. And where you are right now, your heart is so ready, is so ready to receive the fullness of him. And the biggest thing, part of the reason why, like I said, the thing about wanting to sort of what I want to do for the kingdom, discipleship Mm. is very much lacking. A lot of times people become believers and then you're like, what now? Because the fact of the matter is, getting Jesus in your heart is actually the, the beautiful thing is the barrier to entry to eternal life is so low. Yeah. So low. All you got to do is Jesus believe is Jesus who he said he is and then confess it. Yeah. Now you've got everlasting life. Yeah. Now what? And so it's just sort of like, what do I do with this? Yeah. How do I actually live this? And it's like, but here's the, like literally the Bible said, like, if they don't know if they've, if they've not been taught, how will they know? If yeah. someone's not sent, how will they be taught? Yeah. And it's just sort of like someone has people, we have to disciple people. We have to share the word and then teach people as we're being taught how to walk it out. Because when you get to that place where you're able to stand and you're able to seek out your community of other believers as you go to church and you engage in this way and you're studying the word and you're growing, you can now begin to teach that to your daughter. Because you're able to stand on the word, you're able to pray for her, not embarrassed, not fear, not any of those things. You're able to pray for her in a real way. And she's now able to model that behavior because she's watching you. You're right. She's watching you. And so it's just sort of like, and the fact that you're doing it and the thing again, God just, ah, when you talk about walking in his will, everything you want is in God's will. Everything you want is in God's will because you're, it's like the heart that you have is not just for yourself. It's also for your loved one. And God desires to take care of families god loves families and it's also a desire for your husband god loves families he wants to transform every single thing around you for his glory it's just it's a it's just it is it is so beautiful i know it is it is and we're so lucky we are so like i i always look back and i consider myself very lucky to not only have come to the word so that now, now that I know, but then I also, I, I talk about like mental, um, 
uh, or um, mental health. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about self-growth a lot and just being aware of what you don't know or mm -hmm. being aware of your traumas and uh, being aware of where you're at mentally. And then knowing that there is a, a level up more levels up and then feeding yourself all the right things to be able to reach that higher self. Yep. And I always think, man, there's so many people who never even come across that opportunity to know that yeah. or for even self-awareness, mm -hmm. you know, that they're who they are and how they think even. They don't even know to question how they even think. Yeah. So I'm always like, man, I'm so lucky that I even have this or have come to this awareness of, you know, how do I think? Is it serving me? Is it helping me? Am I growing? Am I not growing? Am I giving value to people? Am I not giving value to, like, I'm so happy that I have that thought process. That's great. It's a gift. It's a yeah. gift. It's, a, it's an awareness that, you know, that you need. <laughs> it's an awareness of him. It's an awareness of God. And it's aware. And, and that, that awareness is like the beginning of, of, of what that growth in that relationship is. One of the things I always say is just sort of like the world, the world um, takes biblical principles, but then takes God out of it. Mm. So it's like the, the, the self-help movement manifestation, all of these things, all of these are biblical principles, yeah. but they're just sort of like, let's deny the power because we know it works, but let's deny the power of it. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, yeah. it's just sort of like the law of attraction, the, the secret, all of these different yeah, things. Yeah. All of those things are all in the Bible, but they're actually under God. Yeah. And he's yeah. the one, but then, but then man with, 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 with the enemy, frankly, because again, he wants you to take your eyes off of God, just sort of like, okay, you do all these things and they work. Right. And people are like, yes, I'm going to keep doing it. So now they put their faith in this thing. That's not God right. when that is actually born out of God and they could put their faith in God and it'll take yeah. them even further. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things where I've, I'm always very like, man, I, I spent a lot of time, weirdly enough, it's going to sound random. But I spent a lot of time talking to people who are like witches. Yeah. And the reason is because witches are serving the enemy in such a profound way mm -hmm. because the thing about people who understand spirituality is they've devoted the true form of who they are to it there are a lot of people who exist in a relatively surface you know natural mind area that are just about working and surviving and all of that stuff but when someone is dealing with the occult or dealing with the demonic they are actually operating as a spirit being and god is a spirit being but they've chosen a different master yeah. So it's like, it's always great to engage with them because it's like, there's already a shorthand, yeah. but they're praying to the enemy. But yeah. it's just sort of like, I, the thing is, I need that prayer, not I, but you need that prayer to turn over to God because you already understand something that people don't understand. You understand the supernatural. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's, that's, that's the part, that's the part of it that a lot of times when you're talking to people who don't know God have a hard time wrapping their heads around, yeah. because it's like, for you, it's like, praying is an uncomfortable thing but for a witch they pray all the time yeah. it's just like but to the wrong to the wrong yeah yeah, yeah. They, wow. they're, they're they're just they're sacrificing they're offering but all of those things again are all things that we are supposed to do unto the lord right right and so it's just sort of so there's power in that but it's yeah. demonic power and so right. that's the reason why they stay there yeah i you know i this I'm, We'll, 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 we'll talk, man. We'll see. Yeah. Down. Yeah. I, I'm so excited about it. I'm so glad that we had this opportunity to talk and I'm excited yeah. about you know, the relationship that we'll build. I'm excited about what you're going to do for the kingdom. I have 
nothing but faith that you're going to be a pillar to people who are going to come to God through you and through well, the you God. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful that, that we came to, to be in touch and yeah. to, I already know that you're going to speak so much life into me. I'm grateful. Honey, I'm so it's one, yeah. It's one of those things where it's just sort of, I think the biggest thing is like, because your heart is ready and because God is ready to, to, to engage with you, all you really need is his word and where and where his word is and the growing in that and then you you'll very quickly not even need to talk to me because you're it'll just begin to start quickening to you and now you'll want to start telling other people everyone who says what you're saying you're like guys <laughs> you don't have to feel that way it's just like, that's, the, that's the joy of it and that's I, I said to a friend of mine a couple of months ago I was like I hate to say it and god forgive me but I was like Jesus is the most dopest like pyramid scheme ever because he's like one person gets it then two people get it then five people it's just like it's literally just like the web it's like after he after he went back to heaven only like 16 people knew Jesus as who he was and then he said go out into the world and preach the gospel and those people ran far and wide and just shared everyone as we were trying to kill them and all this stuff it was such life and death and I was like I think about that all the time and it makes me so like Lord if Paul could be imprisoned starved Peter could be boiled you know Stephen could be stoned for preaching your gospel and I'm sitting here just chilling right yeah I know I know yeah it just doesn't Click. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, what am I doing? What are we yeah, doing? Right. There's so much to do for the kingdom. We're just out here just trying to eat food and survive and all this stuff. Well, he's already told us he's given us all of those things. It's like, no, there's work to be done. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. that's the MO. Yeah. Good for you. Wow. This was so enlightening. I'm so grateful that we had a chance to Pleasure. talk. Yeah. Pleasure. Before I let you go, my yeah. my um uh, my leave you with question is what, uh, what does being a milk mean to you? What does being, I think being a milk means this, right? I think being a milk means that no matter what, there's always going to be a shorthand and a connection with people in all different walks of life, all different spaces. And it's always going to be something where you have this shared experience that you can always like rely on. Yeah. And that's what I think that, you know, being a milk is because it was like, the ease with which to reach out, the fact that we were already friends on Facebook, the fact that like I was more than thrilled to sort of respond. It's like, this is a friendship or a relationship that was born out of the tangential fact that we went to the same school. And so now look at something that could possibly grow from that. Not possibly, something that will grow from that. And so it's just sort of like, I think being a milt is, is being part of, uh, you know, a, a special community that will always have an underlying connection. And what we do with that connection is up to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think what we have is a gift. Like you said, it's such a gift and it helps me too. you know, especially moving from California to Pennsylvania and being a mom and all this stuff. I had to like remake friends, you know, yeah. and go out there and meet new people. And it can be so scary, you know, meeting brand new people, but I was so grateful or I am so grateful because I could just reach, call, look on social and be like, how many milts are close to me that I can just message and yeah. you want to have a baby date? Like haven't seen you in so long. Like built-in friends, like built-in friends. Is that, is that part of what sort of brought about this? You know, it's funny because 
the reason, the main reason I think I, I decided to do this podcast is because I just really hated the stigma that people gave milts. Oh, they're kids of poverty. Um, oh, you got to watch out for those milts and they probably won't come out to anything and just kids of poverty. And mm -hmm. I just couldn't, when I look at Milton Hershey and I look at us, I'm like, we, how did we even get this stigma? Be I don't, yeah. Money coming in and we had circumstances coming in that does not define who we are coming out. You know what no, I mean? Not that, at all. Milts are so incredible. And the more that I started seeing all these milts doing all these amazing things, I'm like, wait a minute, people need to see more of this. Yeah. Like the stigma needs to shift completely to, oh, they're the kids that, you know, came to the school because of poverty to, wow, these are pretty incredible human beings who are definitely going to change the world. And, and I, that, that just, I'm targeting that stigma. Like, it's like a, I'm going to break that thing down, you know? And I see NHS already rebranding itself. Like I see mm -hmm. the campus, I see the school trying to listen more and mm -hmm. trying to make active, good changes so that these kids are happier, more equipped. And so when they get out, there's more of a, yeah, the turnaround yeah. Is, is, yeah. So I just knew, I, I was like, I want to do something that's going to shed light on the positive, on the good things that, that they're doing. And, I, and I'm an entrepreneur, so I figured I know what it takes to be an entrepreneur, and I've been an entrepreneur so long, so I think that was like my my comfort zone of being able to, okay, let, let me go find other milk entrepreneurs who are out there, you know, bulldozing through this, this thing we call entrepreneurship because it's hard. Yeah. And I think milks are like born for this. Like we They're are born for the struggle. Problem solvers. Yeah. Problem. They're just like, okay, what's, what's missing here that I can do? How do I, how do I, how do I navigate this? Yeah. Yeah. Just listening to your story and every, everything in your head is like, oh, it's a challenge. Okay. I want it. Like that, that is so milt-like. It is, it is, I it is. I love that about milts. Like we yeah. are very resistant. We are um, just, we're hungry for more challenge. We kind of thrive on challenge. Like we came yeah. from a challenge and circumstance and it's made us who we are. So now we kind of thrive on that. And I love that. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I love that that. <laughs> Yeah. Again, I'm always like, I always see, I, I just, I, my mind is always, I always see God and all that and everything. And so it's like, even that notion, I'll, I'll give like your desire to target a misconception about something yeah. and then now create a space where that misconception can be dispelled. There is, when you think about that and you think about it for God, it's like when you see that someone doesn't know the truth of who God is oh. and it's such a, like people are out here pushing a narrative that is contrary to what you believe. Pushing an ad about Mahershi that is contrary to what you believe, you are motivated internally to change that. Mm -hmm. And so you start something and now you're evangelizing about Mahershi. Mm -hmm. Now imagine doing that for the kingdom. You yeah. know what I mean? That's like dope. that's literally that's literally what it is that's like so I'm like it's like in everything you're just sort of like look at that like you saw a problem because a lot of people see problems and they're like Meh. you yeah. saw a problem but you were motivated to be like this is an untruth and yeah. that speaks to me and I need to change that for somebody so anybody who is witnessing and watching this can know that this is actually what the possibilities are that's mm -hmm. the same whenever people say like well you know why is this person preaching it's like you already have that in you 
Right. It's just sort of like, you see like that person, I can hear them that they need Jesus. They don't have to go through that. That's a misconception that they have. How can I go? How can I be there for them? How can I address that for them? So that they never have to feel that way again. It's, yeah. like it's, the same, it's all a beautiful mosh of, of, of the same stuff. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on. You were, I can't wait to share this with, with everybody. People are going to get so much from this. We told that I'm, I'm, I have you on my schedule to interview. We're like, what? Oh my God. Wow. Like there, everyone is already in such awe of you. And now to be able to show them the interview and say, look at what all the success she has and her creativity and her pursuit and her career, but then look at what she chooses to represent most of that. I think I'm so, I was excited to show them you know, the career side and, and your pursuit in, in that creative sense. But now I'm even more excited to show them that like, but this is her foundation. <laughs> <laughs> and I always, I, 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 it's funny because it's like, I always feel like you, people have one of two reactions. They could be super disappointed. <laughs> I have actively seen the disappointment and I'm just sort of like, I don't know what to do about that. Or they have that reaction. So I'm very grateful that that's the reaction because I've definitely seen the disappointment one. And that always makes me laugh. Because yeah. they're always like, they want you to, I don't know what I don't like. Honestly, it's like Sterling K. Brown is nice. Mandy Moore is nice. Justin yeah. Hartley is nice. Oprah is nice. Ava's, yeah. everyone's, everyone's fine. Like everyone's perfectly fine. I'm like, any questions anyone has about the business and all that kind of stuff, I'm happy to tell them. But yeah. it's just sort of like, you know, it's work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, yeah. So it's just yeah. like, they're all, they're all nice. They all, you know, have yeah. bodies and, you know, smell sometimes. So it's just like, right. it's all, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, but what's like, you know, again, what's, what's, but, the, yeah. what's the bigger thing? What's the, what's what really pushes you forward? Yeah, exactly. And that's, what, that's the thing that inspires the most is like, what is her fuel? What is, what is what wakes her up in the morning and drives her and keeps the faith going? you know, when you want to quit or when you want to, mm -hmm. when life breaks you down, what is that thing that keeps you going? That's what people need to hear. I, and the, the truth of the matter is just sort of like, I'm happy to talk through how to write a script and all that kind of stuff. If anyone requests that, please, I'm, I'll ha be happy to come on. But I think the, the, the biggest thing is whatever, what it is that's being shared is something that people can take for themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like, if you can't, if you have no desire to be in this industry, hearing about it is irrelevant. But if you have no desire to be in this industry, but you also don't have Jesus, guess what you do need, yeah. you know, and that's Jesus. So it's just, yeah. Yes. Yay. I'm so excited. Thank you again, Kay. This Thank was you. my pleasure. Beautiful. And I'm going to send you, I'll send you all my information. Um, I'll, do you want me to send it to your um, assistant? Oh, email? You, can send it. you can send it to me. Okay. I'll miss copy her on it. She, she knows, she knows this is, this is, this is, this is likely what will happen. Okay. So just, no, send me, I want, I would love to get your address so I can send you the Bible. Okay. And then what you just sort of, what you just laid out, what those concerns yeah. are. Cause I think I, what I would love to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you the Bible and then I'm going to, we're going to get back on the zoom. And I want to walk through all of those concerns because God is such a God of evidence. He's a very practical God. He's very, very practical. He wants people to know what he's done. And so it's just sort of like each one of those things we're going to talk about, pray about, and hit with the word. We're going to hit it directly with the word. Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so looking forward to it. You have no idea. So, I mean, and then, and anytime those thoughts come, I want you to go to what we're going to discuss and then just be like, Satan, you might be making me feel terrified in this moment. But guess what? 
God is not giving me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So Father, I have a sound mind. Perfect love casts out all fear. I have been made perfect by your love, Father. So it's like all of those things, you will be able to tell the enemy and the enemy must listen. He must listen. Yes, amen to that. Amen. Yes. Thank you so much, Kay. We're going to talk again soon. And before I let you go, um, shout out any social media handles, any sites, anything you want people to know, um, to follow you, to see what you're doing. Um, Go ahead and shout it out now. I'm going to have all of this in the bio for you, but yeah, honestly, I, uh, gosh, I, I shout out, what's, what's it a shout out? I shout out, uh, go like going back to church frankly and I, I'll, I'll say this i'll say that um find me on social media sure find me on social media and friend me on social media and i will friend you back and we can have conversations in the message area so it's just sort of like it's at kale yegan i only the holy spirit got me all the way together last year after george floyd was killed and he was like look I've called you to be set to, to, to you are in this world, we're not of this world. If you look like everybody else, how can anyone know me? And so it was just sort of like, as everyone was so enraged and so much COVID this, and everyone was talking about COVID as if it was God all of a sudden, you know, and I was, it was like the Holy Spirit just sort of like said, I got to take you daughter out of all of that space. And it was something that was like very sobering. And he was like, you will always speak life. If you see death, you will speak life. And that is, that is not an option. And so my entire social media changed to just be a place where like, that's probably, I just share the word and share the word and share an explanation of the word because it's like, and what I know is that if I just got a big movie and I tell you what the word of God says and you want to retweet it or you want to like it, you will come in contact with the word of God. If something happens in my life and you feel it, because there are times when I'll post the word and I'll get, you know, 25 people who responded. But if like a big movie deal happens or whatever, or anything like that happens and I share the word of God, how that was gotten, Mm -hmm. it's like, you cannot, you cannot not engage. And it's just one of those things where my favorite thing so far has been like, because the news and and people magazines and all this stuff or whatever, take stuff from our our social media, they've had to print scripture because they want to take my, they want to take my tweets and put it, they've had to print. Wow, that is awesome. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Because anybody who is looking at this, wherever they are in life, they will see that word. And even if they're focusing on this or the thing, planted a seed. Look at that word. Oh my God, that's so good. Look at you. I'm one of the things that's funny is like each time God creates opportunities for me to talk or share or do anything like that, or even get more jobs, it's just opportunities for me to just share the word, the amount, the spaces that the last two years I've been in and and rooms and, and the, the, the boldness that he's given me to share his word. I have no problem. You could be the president of Marvel and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about Christ. And it's one of those things where it is a boldness that he gave, not one that I have. I'm not, I'm not that bold without him. And so I can't, I can do all things with him. So that's the bold. And so it's just sort of like, I'm like, oh, okay, Lord, the reason why I have my career is not because I'm like, whatever. The reason I have my career is because I really just want to give it back to you. I really just want to give you glory. So that's why that's probably the reason why I'm like, when I win an Oscar, it's not because of whatever it is that I did. It's going to be because God said, she has a word to give to people and the only way she's going to be able to give it is on this Oscar stage. Right. So it's just, so that's, so that's literally how my brain works. And that's why I'm not worried about any of those things because it's like, it's for his glory. Um, and so, so yeah, and you'll give me the opportunities to give him glory. And so I'm grateful for that. Yes, that is absolutely right. Yes. 
Amen to all that. And he will. And I, I already know that. Yeah, I can't wait to, to, to witness you getting that Oscar and talking about God and giving it all all to him yeah yeah i can't wait i'm just like ooh, I'll, I'll be like I, I have to apologize to the people i didn't think <laughs> i'm gonna use all my pre-music time to just tell people about the gospel <laughs> wow, that's so awesome yeah your mom will be your mom is so proud i already know yeah she's a good she's a great lady she yeah. that woman has been i think that's part of the reason why my heart is very much like what you're saying is such a big thing because people yeah. People need praying mothers. People need yeah. praying fathers. People need to be pray. People need people who are praying for them. And you also need people praying for you. Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs to be. Everybody needs somebody who is interceding on their behalf. And that's as believers, right. we're called to intercede. And so that's why I'm just sort of like, okay, there's no version of me hearing what you just said and being like, okay, well, this was fun. Yeah, no, I have a job to do. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. And we should all. We should all feel that way and and believe in that way because yeah that we were made for fellowship and we were made to pray for each other yeah and that's what god says you know there is more power in group prayer yeah said whenever two agree upon anything as touching yeah. they will have it yeah. beautiful thing I love that yeah all right we'll talk soon yay Thanks. thank you so much i want to give you a big big old hug <laughs> I love you, sister. You are love amazing. You too. Yes. No, this has been such a gift. I can't wait. I can't Thank wait. You. I'm ready. I'm ready for your testimony. That's yeah. where I, I always go. I'm like, look, I don't look at, I don't, I'm, I'm the way God is. I'm on the other side of this one. I can't wait for your testimony. That's what I can't yeah. wait for. I can't wait for you to be like, look what God did. Yes. Look how the Lord worked in my life. Look at my daughter out here prophesying. Guys, you yes. must know I wasn't here before. And then somebody else who's feeling the exact same way will hear that and they will be delivered. Yes, it's exactly right. Yeah, that's what I hope for. I definitely hope for that for me, for her, for other moms who experience oh, it. Oh, it'll happen. I can't wait. And then you get to be a pillar in your own space. It's wonderful. Yeah, it is wonderful. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. Okay, we will talk soon. Bye. Okay, stay blessed. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.